Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast, IDP edition. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am joined by an even better host, an all-around better person, if we're being honest, a beautiful IDP mind coming to us live from the Soul Shack, from the IDP show, the magnificent Josh Raymer. Joshy, what's up, my friend? John, it is wonderful to be here. Uh, the forces were trying to conspire to keep us apart tonight. We had a power outage here at Casa de Raymer. Power came back on just in time for the episode, so I'm hashtag blessed to be here. It has been, um, you know, it was a long, fun off season. Um, we're in, we're looking at the looking down the barrel of week four now, which is crazy to me. We're almost a month into the NFL season. And uh, it was it was a fun off season though, man. We got to do a lot of cool stuff, but without a doubt, my favorite part of this off season was the John Macri glow up. Watching you get to come and take the reins of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, get a weekly IDP episode in season. Hell, you were on NFL Network, brother. So it was uh, it was awesome to see. We are here for Macri season, and I'm delighted to be on this episode with you. Well, thank you, man. That That's very kind of you to say. And yeah, I wish I could have got some IDP info out on NFL Network. That would have been amazing. But uh, they were they run a tight ship over there. I don't think they would have let me uh, say anything other than what I was supposed to. So uh, that was fun. But yeah, it's been it has been a fun offseason. We got to do the draft down in Kentucky, um, which was fun to get together with you and, and the gang. And um, that was my highlight of, of the offseason for sure. But excited to get to talk to you again here, get you on the podcast, talk some IDP, preview week four. Like you said, it's crazy. We're already almost a month into the season. So lots to talk about for sure. Yeah, let's get into it. You, uh, you're you a great IDP mind. You're a terrible golfer, uh, terrible. but a fa- yeah. fantastic friend. And I'm excited to, uh, yeah. Chop it up. Talk some week four. Lots of stuff to dig into. We've been talking about on our recap episodes, IDP scoring. And and maybe this is just the first month of the season. Uh, Offenses are still figuring things out. But IDP scoring has been going bananas. And I have really if if you're on the offensive side, you know, uh, maybe you guys feel the sting a little bit with some of these other episodes. But in IDP land, it's like we we're having the time of our lives over here, baby. Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, uh, there's Devin A. Chain and Raheem Mostert over on the offensive side, some Keenan Allen stuff, and but yeah, man, it, it's the IDP stuff has been crazy so far, and and yeah, some of it is like the the early part of the season too. We always have these like big scores who you know come off of like a three inter like three interceptions in three games or something like that to open the year or whatever it ends up being. But um, yeah, it, it all ends up evening out in the end. But it's always fun to kind of get into the IDP stuff early as that that hype goes up. Um, to start the year, but yeah, man, we're, we're going to get into it all. We're, we're going to go, uh, what game by game here. We're going to hit on the key points uh, of interest from each team and each game. Um, I'll have the timestamps as well in the episode description, uh, for the YouTubes, uh, and the auto audio as well. So you can jump around to find the games that you're looking for and hopefully get the information you need. Um, I'll also include a link to the IDP fantasy report, which has all the week's uh, waiver wire targets, snap shares, and utilization for every single IDP from week three. Plenty of notes in, as, in there as well. And that's free on pff.com. Can't ask for a better deal than that. Um, but then I'll also include the link to my rankings as well for those interested in the episode description. 
Um, yeah, but uh, with all that said, I'm excited to get into it here. Uh, before we do, I do have to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com fantasy. That's meetfabric.com fantasy and eetfabric.com fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Josh, let's kick things off with the Thursday night football game. We got a division game here, the NFC North Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. I'll let you kick us off. What do you want to start with here uh, with either one of these teams? Can we get Jack Campbell some more run, John? Is that is that is that too much to ask? Um, You would think at this point, Dan Campbell's namesake uh, would be getting on the field more based on what he's been able to do thus far. Um, we saw what Jack Campbell could do in week three with mm-hmm. the few snaps he was given, uh, just 57% of snaps. He had six tackles, one TFL, one sack, and one QB hit. And so that performance has me thinking that the Prince of Midgard or Prince of Asgard, as you like to say, wherever you want this prince to be from, is not long for a full-time role. What do you think is the kind of long-term or season-long outlook for this linebacker situation? Because I know what it should be, but what's it going to be? Yeah, it's hard to say. And I just have this like terrible feeling that it's just, it's Alex Anzalone LB1 for the entire season. Unless he gets hurt or something like that. I just don't see them kind of going away from him. I think best case scenario for Jack Campbell is that he gets the LB2 job there, which may not still be a part-time role, but at least be the kind of clear second snap leader among that linebacker core on a weekly basis. Um, The problem with Anzalone, he's just, he's so inefficient. This is why we don't like him, right? He's, (laughs) he has, he's so bad. He's so bad, John. He's, he's got a 7.4% tackle efficiency, which is nearly 50% of what the average is for linebackers, right? And that's with the Lions playing much more zone this year than they have in the past, which theoretically should help. But this man just continues to be one of the biggest plugs in IDP. He just he just isn't getting it done. IDP managers are frustrated, especially after the Lions spent a first round pick on Jack Campbell, which we assumed meant that they would give him a chance to to start, but it doesn't seem like it's going to go that way. So for now we deal with it. We Alex Anzalone, probably the only one actually worth trusting on a weekly basis because yeah, 56% of snaps for Jack Campbell, as nice as that production was last week, getting in a sack in there. It's just not sustainable week to week. Yeah. I'm fine. Trusting Anzalone right now, season long. I do think I really do believe deep in my heart of hearts that Jack Campbell takes this role. I just think he's too good to keep off the field, especially if this team is pushing for the playoffs. I think they want to get their playmakers on the field, Aiden Hutchinson, Brian Branch, uh, Jack Campbell, and uh, just give the rookie a little more time to learn the defense. You see this a lot. Teams use the bye week to replace 
players that are not mm-hmm. playing well in the defense, especially if they're younger players. So I have optimism uh, for Jack Campbell. Um, like you said, even if it's not the LB1 role, which I, maybe it's just a spidey sense, I think he has a chance to snatch that role as well. But I do think he'll ascend to a full-time, well, full-time LB2 right. role. But if we could get him north of like 70% of snaps, yeah. I think that would be a big win for IDP. And I still think he could be a solid option even on that kind of volume just because he's a much better player than Alex Anzalone. He doesn't need 100% of snaps. So, um, but on the Green Bay Packers side, um, uh, football giveth and football taketh away, right? We have Rashawn Gary coming back from injury. He's been getting eased in, looks phenomenal. Um, you had the massive week three on just, what was it? 37% of snaps, I believe, something like that. Um, so I'm not trusting him right now. I'm not rolling him out until we see those snaps tick up a little bit, but that is the league winner type of upside you've got with Gary. If no setbacks, they'll continue to ramp this guy up. So very excited about Rashawn Gary's like end of season outlook. Mm -hmm. And then on the take it away side, Devondre Campbell, my flag plant, my top 12 linebacker to be my most rostered linebacker, <laughs> I think outside of Deion Jones. Like, what the hell's up with that? Uh, coming coming back around, though. Um, he is out, and um, thankfully it doesn't seem to be a serious injury, but I do think he's going to miss the game on Thursday, it sounds like. Isaiah yeah. McDuffie is the pickup there. Hopefully we get Campbell back in the lineup. Um, the Campbell bros. We could have had a Campbell bros showdown, um, but, you know, thus is life. We, we are bound to be disappointed, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, right? And, and yeah, it seems like Devondre Campbell already ruled out for this week. It was a short week, so it, it seemed unlikely uh, in the first place that he was going to play after, after leaving the game early last week and then um, not coming back into it. So Isaiah McDuffie should play... I, about an 80% roll. It will be hovering around there, but this is a decent defense for, for tackle efficiency for linebackers. So he could be productive. I think he's worth adding on the waiver wires. Uh, Green Bay is the most zone heavy defense in the NFL, which does yield better tackle efficiency for linebackers. But yeah, the, the big one, I think for Green Bay, like you mentioned, for me, at least it is Rashawn Gary. I, I, I have him as like edge 38 this week. So I don't have him very high. I'm, w- I'm with you. I'm not trusting him in, in lineups just yet, but you look at the numbers, man, and he has been so impressive coming off that torn ACL. 31.8% win rate, uh, which is second in the league behind only Miles Garrett among edge defenders. He's already got four sacks, 13 pressures, uh, which is a 29% pressure rate, which also leads the league. He's done all of this on just 45 pass rush snaps. So Man, I, I don't know. This this feels like comeback player of the year for me. I know DeMar Hamlin is the favorite. He's been a healthy scratch for, for three weeks straight now. Rashawn Gary, plus 7,500 on DraftKings right now for comeback player of the year. I looked that up before we started recording here, and that is a pretty impressive number. Um, if you want to throw five bucks down, it's a, the, almost 400 or so uh, return if you, if you can hit that. But I think... For Rashawn Gary, the Packers have an early bye this year, week six. So I think week seven is where we see Rashawn Gary kind of get that full workload. And that's probably where I'll start trusting him in lineups. But you can do it now. It's just a bit riskier given the, given the snap count. And it's not also not an easy matchup this week against the Detroit O-line, which ranks sixth in pass blocking grade. Yeah, hopeful, hopeful for a good long-term season outlook for him. But let's pump the brakes here. Um, yeah. 
and and just hope for brighter days ahead. Brighter days ahead for him and Devondre Campbell. Um, but yeah, I think that pretty much covers it here on Packers Lions. I'm with you. Let's go on to the Sunday slate and start with the London game. So we do have a London game this week early uh, Sunday morning. This game will be played. So don't uh, get caught with your, your lineup not getting set properly. Um, this does happen to people who aren't paying attention. Just another reminder out there, Atlanta, Jacksonville playing in London this week. Um, I guess the first thing here that is probably worth noting is that Devin Lloyd is going to be out a couple of weeks, Jacksonville's linebacker. So last week he did play through the hand injury, but he was coming in and out of the lineup, like on and off the field, I guess I should say. Um, He was rotating in and out with Chad Muma. So that was kind that kind of gave me pause last week or this past week in that Maybe it was happening again that Chad Mumo was kind of working his way and starting to eat away at some of those Devin Lloyd snaps. But it turns out he is dealing with an injury and is expected to miss a couple of weeks. So De- or Chad Mumo is somebody that we can pick up off the waiver wire and expect to play in every down role. I have him as my LB23 this week going against a run-heavy offense in the Atlanta Falcons. I think there's potential there for some tackles uh, for Chad Mumo as a low-end LB2. Um, if you're able to pick him up and plug him into lineups early. But yeah, how are you feeling about this Jacksonville linebacker situation? I mean, not great outside of uh, Foyer Aluakun, um, yeah. who is LB1, depending on how you feel about Roquan Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew, we knew with Devin Lloyd that the Chad Muma axe was hanging over his head all offseason. And I'm glad to hear, though, that it was an injury because I was worried uh, that it was actually being benched in that game. Right. So, yeah, I mean, anytime Chad Muma comes in, I think he's a viable LB2-3 option for you. Um, but outside of Foyer, I feel like you're just playing with fire uh, because mm-hmm. we've seen Devin Lloyd get benched before. Now, it hasn't happened this season. Um, will he get his job back once um, Devin, you know, once um, he gets returns to form, once the, the thumb is healed up? Uh, it's not a major injury, so that's good. Um, but I'll be very curious, this kind of tryout for Chad Muma uh, the next few weeks in Devin Lloyd's absence. How well does he play? Um, right. So I don't know, man. It's uh, outside of foyer. I'm a little bit dicey on the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. We, we had the rug pulled out from under us last year, right, with Devin Lloyd. He had that hot start, and then it just it, it kind of crumbled after that. So. It was about this time last year that we started to see this exact same thing, right? But luckily, yeah, it seems to be an injury for now, but definitely a situation worth monitoring um, going forward and when Devin Lloyd gets back in the in the lineup. But it does help to have just Chad Muma uh, in the lineup this week and not have to worry about Devin Lloyd kind of playing into that. So um, the next couple of weeks, at least, it does seem like Chad Muma should be a viable option. Other things on Jacksonville, I, I got their edge defenders here. I mean... Josh Allen, I think, is really the one for me. I I think this could be a big tackle game for Josh Allen here if he gets a sack. Um, you know, that's obviously even better, obviously. But he he is one of the best run defending defending edges in the league, going up against one of the most run heavy teams in the league. Um, Allen had a ranked seventh in run defense grade so far this year, eighty two point two. Um, not easy to tackle Bijan, but I think he should at least get plenty of opportunities to do so at the very least. So I do still like Josh Allen quite a bit. Um, I still think I have him inside of my top 10 edges. I know he, he's been quiet the past two weeks, but he definitely has that blow up potential. Not as excited about Trayvon Walker though. Yeah. We talked about it on the week three recap pod this week that 
Trayvon's average at about 10 points a game right now. So it just feels like we're still a couple years away from him really realizing that potential. There's been flashes. I'm not worried about another Cleland Farrell situation um, where a highly drafted edge is just a complete and utter bust. Um, but for IDP purposes, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in Josh Allen, but he's always been a little frustrating. Mm-hmm. He has these in these every edge has quiet weeks, right? Miles Garrett had quiet, quiet weeks and then goes off for 40 plus points. So you have to be patient. Um, Josh Allen, like you said, is he falls into that bucket for me. Now he's, he's on the borderline, but he falls into that bucket for me of too good not to start. Um, right. Now, it all depends on the depth of your league, right? If you're only starting like one defensive lineman, maybe he doesn't make the right. cut, depending on how many teams are in your league. But I think every week he's in consideration for me as a top 12 edge, just because we've seen what this guy can do. Um, and if the right matchup comes along, you could be looking at a 25 to 35 point outfit, uh, output from Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. He's still one of the top options for me. He's just he, he has the pass pass rush metrics behind him. He's got the volume behind him. So we love that. Trayvon Walker has the volume, doesn't necessarily have the pass rush metrics yet. So hopefully he does get there as that uh, num- former number one overall pick, but uh, remains to be seen at this point. Um, Looking at Atlanta, there is another injury uh, to the linebacker uh, situation over there. Troy Anderson is on IR. It looks like he's done for the year with a shoulder injury. Um, This was a major bummer. I thought it was a breakout year for Troy Anderson coming in um, in year two, taking over that full-time role, but not obviously what we were looking for here with a a start like this. Um, So he'll be done for the year. And it looks like Nate Landman, who literally nobody has ever heard of um, could potentially be in for a full-time role going forward. Uh, We'll see if they bring anyone in Rashawn Evans, potentially being the one that stands out the most, but otherwise, I mean, Nate Landman, nobody drafted this guy in any league. So he'll be on a ton of waiver wires. Um, But funny enough, he hasn't played that much, but 87.9 PFF grade this year, which is third among all linebackers. So pretty good. Uh, it's a super small sample size, but maybe they feel like he's playing well enough so far that they don't need to bring anybody in. Look, when you have a sister named Ocean Trail Landman, who's a swimmer, <laughs> I don't need to hear anything else. I'm in. Uh, Ocean give Trail? Ocean Trail Landman. I'm not making this up. You can Google it. Um, but Nate Landman will be doing his work on land um yeah the uh, it's just such a bummer dude it's so hard in the wake of these injuries to be like oh yeah this guy that no one has ever heard of to transfer the excitement we had for the you know 10 ras freak of nature athlete troy anderson to transfer that on to nate freaking landman yeah i don't know dude it's hard Uh, but you're (laughs) right if he does get the full-time role if they don't bring anybody in um that could be a, a nice little waiver wire ad there. And that's all it is, right? That's all we're hoping for is we're hoping for that full-time role um, because that it, itself will create production. If he can be efficient uh, on a weekly basis, that's great. If he can outproduce expectations, that's even better, right? Like this is why we don't want to spend, you know, a, a ton of draft capital on linebackers in fantasy drafts every single year, because Every single year, there are the Nate Landmans of the world that we can pick up off waiver wires, um, and hopefully this one can be uh, productive. We will find out going forward, I guess, but uh, we'll be interested to see that one uh, Sunday morning. 
That is a uh, Avengers reject, if I've ever heard one. Or maybe that's like the the aquatic characters, like human alter ego, right? I am not yeah. Ocean Man. I'm Nate Landman. I don't do anything in the ocean. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. when you've got Marvel, re- yeah, Marvel reject heroes as your waiver wire ads, we're at a dark place already. It's amazing. Yeah, I am still shocked by Ocean Trail. To be honest, that Ocean I just, Trail Landman. It just sounds like I, a like a mermaid almost. It does. It does. And she's a swimmer. Like, <laughs> come on. That's I had to fact check myself, but yes, Ocean Trail Landman. Yeah, what? Wow, uh, just great stuff there. Um, great research, Josh. Josh, I really Thank appreciate you. you bringing that That's to what the I'm table here for. and blowing my mind. <laughs> um, all right, let's go on to the Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, what do you want to start with here, Cincinnati and Tennessee? Dax Hill, DB1 through three weeks, just like we all had on our bingo card. Right, John? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 26 tackles, one sack, one INT, 12.8% tackle rate. Um, We wondered before the season how this split was going to work out with Dax Hill, with Jordan Battle, and with Nick Scott. Now, we'll say Nick Scott um, has been good. I mean, Dax Hill is the guy that you want. DB one, I'm using big three scoring. It's a big play scoring. So anything that you hear me reference here, that's the scoring format that we that we're using here. Uh, but 23 tackles for Nick Scott. The usage here was interesting, John. 40 percent sweet spot alignment for Hill, 53 percent for Scott. Hill's played 99 percent of snaps so far. Scott has played 85 percent. Do you think both these guys are startable depending on league size? I do. Yeah, I, I have them both inside of that top 20. I actually got them super close. Like I have Dax Hill. I know he's safety one. It's been on the top of big plays as well, but I have him as safety 15 right now. I got Nick Scott as safety 16. So I literally put them right beside each other because Hill definitely on fire with the big, big plays. But Scott has definitely, like you said, kind of gone underrated amongst the, the, the group here. Um, he, he's at, he's got a top five tackle efficiency among safeties at 14%. Uh, he's got that primary box role as well, like you said. And I, I know he had a quieter game, especially compared to Hill in week three, but I, I wouldn't ignore him going forward. And I think this could be a nice game for, for Nick Scott going against Tennessee as well um, this week. So I, I still like Nick Scott quite a bit. And, and like you said, even though he, he had a quieter week uh, last week, the tackle efficiency, the box roll, it's all still there for him. So I think there's definitely room for him, uh, for both of these guys to be starters in IDP lineups. Yeah, I think um, if you want to do the move of shipping off Dax Hill for Nick Scott Plus, um, mm. that's never a bad idea. Uh, we kind of yeah. talked about that with Jesse Bates versus Richie Grant, right? Jesse Bates is kind of coasting off the three interceptions so far, yeah. but Richie Grant has the better usage for IDP. Um, so it's not it's not a bad idea to sell high off of these early season starts for guys who it's maybe questionable if that's going to be sustainable uh, over the course of the season. So, um, yeah, the other guy I wanted to talk about here for the Bengals, Jermaine Pratt. Uh, we mm-hmm. know Logan Wilson, mom's meatloaf. Shout out Aaron Evers for that comparison. We said that if Logan Wilson is mom's meatloaf, he's always solid, unspectacular, you know, 10 to 15 points. That's Logan Wilson. Jermaine Pratt is the McRib, right? He is the more enticing option. But what this past week is like is when you find out the McRib is made from pig anus. 
with Logan Wilson <laughs> balling out two interceptions on Monday Night Football and Jermaine Pratt having a quiet week. So I didn't expect Jermaine Pratt to play 90% of snaps this season. His average over the last three seasons, 70%. So mm -hmm. 80% was not like surprising for me in week three. But my question for you, John, what kind of opportunity do you think Jermaine Pratt gets rest of season? Yeah, so... I, I liked that he was getting up over 90% two weeks in a row. He didn't really get that last year. Um, so that was nice to see, at least from the first two weeks. But then, yeah, dipping to 80% last week, not ideal. It's not the end of the world either. But that 10% can be a big deal depending on the week, um, especially in a man-heavy defense like Cincinnati, right? If they're not playing uh, a ton of defensive snaps as well. So they played just 55 uh, snaps this past week, which was among the bottom uh, of the league as far as uh, volume goes. So both of those things combined, the, the, the amount of snaps and then playing in a man-heavy defense could be a big hit to potential production, right? So that's where I guess I, I get concerned about Pratt not playing a full-time role or dipping below 90%, getting in that 80 or 70% range again. Um, it is a bit concerning for me. Still a good option in like deeper leagues if you're playing them as an LB3 or, or, or 4, if you, depending on how deep you go. But it gets a little bit riskier here. I, would, I don't think you would want him as your, your LB2 uh, going forward. Yeah, he feels more like an LB3 to me. Um... I just um I think he has more boom potential probably than Logan Wilson. Um but yeah, it's going to be tough if he's only getting 70 to 80% of snaps to make those big plays, right? So if he can tick back up north of 90, that makes me feel better about having him as the LB2. But if we're going to get the same Jermaine Pratt we've gotten years past where he's down around 70, 80%, that drops him down to like LB3 territory for me. Um on the Titans side, Harold Landry, mm -hmm. what is going on there, John? You suggested I take Harold Landry and IDP Madness, <laughs> and now I want you to answer for your crimes. I have to defend myself here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, he started off uh, on the year, like he's coming off the ACL. So, look, I thought that the the snaps were really encouraging the first two weeks, right? He was up over 80%. This was typical of Tennessee because they kind of run him out there um, and, and lean into him uh and, and let him play a ton of volume. Didn't really do that this past week. They were also getting blown out. So might not be that big of a concern considering that he only played two snaps in the fourth quarter while they were getting blown out by the Browns. So I think they just pulled him from that game um, because the game, the score was out of hand. So I think there's potential here for Harold Landry to kind of get back on back on track. The Bengals pass blocking hasn't been great. Um, Burrow's kind of gimpy as well, but he is the only thing is he is getting the ball out quickly. Second fastest time to throw in the league at 2.3 seconds. Um, but he is still taking a, a fair bit of sack. So there's hope here for Harold Landry. I think the volume role is, is going to be there for throughout the season. As long as he's healthy, I'm not too concerned about the dip this past week because of the score in that game. Um, so I think there's potential here for him to kind of get back on track and put up the, some volume based numbers uh, as uh, as Tennessee's top edge. And what, it, what kind of confidence level do you have in Danico Autry? That dude has been phenomenal to start the season. 
He's been amazing. Yeah, I, I love Danico Autry. We talked about him like two off seasons ago, I guess, as a vol as a value um, pick, and he he was great last year when we talked about him, and he's continuing to do so again. Just a guy that was completely overlooked this off season. Um, really more of like a deep league guy that people were targeting, but he's scoring well. He's been one of the top scorers um, so far this season, and he's another one that the volumes there, the metrics are there. He's he's just a strong player that yeah, I'm happy to plug into lineups, especially if he has that dt designation uh which he does on on certain sites as well yeah it's like i'm looking at the top scores in our scoring it's like oh there's tj watt there's micah parsons mm-hmm. you know there's daniel hunter what is danico what are you doing in there bud yeah. uh, i think he's a top five or six uh edge for us right now so yeah. just uh you love to see it uh if you were scooping up danico autry in the offseason you have been richly rewarded but yeah this should be this should be a fun matchup um, these are, um, Titans are always scrappy and, um, they may suck though this year. I don't know that yeah. the suckiness may be overwhelming the scrappiness. And then the Bengals, man, just put Burrow on IR, let him come back. I mean, or just, you know, don't, 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 uh, hobble your franchise quarterback, your newly paid franchise quarterback, um, like for the entire season. I think they're just going to try to hold on rather than just taking the hit here at the end of the season. And I think it's going to end up costing them late in the year. I really do. I hope not. That that would suck to see because I, I love Joe Burrow and I, I kind of like the Bengals as well. So hopefully he gets healthier. But yeah, it's, it's harder to get healthier in an NFL season. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, all right, let's move on to the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. Um, not like a ton of interesting stuff from these two teams, but the one thing I guess that that maybe I'll, I'll start with here is the New Orleans linebackers. So Pete Werner, Demario Davis have been kind of up and down to start the year uh specifically demario davis week one um i think werner and davis both had solid outings david had it like a 16 percent tackle efficiency werner was around 11 and a half so i was at least hopeful that demario davis who has been one of the most inefficient tacklers at linebacker the past two seasons um maybe this year was going to be better for him but week two we saw that uh tackle efficiency dip again for demario davis down to 10.2 percent werner was around 12 again and then week three demario davis just a four percent tackle efficiency so back to his old ways there um as being incredibly inefficient but at least werner got up to 15.4 percent. so this is something to kind of keep in mind with this New Orleans defense is that the scheme here, the saints are the second most man heavy D in the league so far this season. Um, But also a big part of that is the history of inefficiency with Davis, which does tend to be stickier um, year to year than being overly efficient. Um, You know, he'll have his nice games, but if you see him consistently ranked lower in my ranks, I think I have him as LB 40 this week. That that's why it's, it's just a history of inefficiency with him. Yeah, that is um that is a pretty putrid tackle efficiency. 3.8% <laughs> in week 3. Holy hell. I think I yeah. could fall into like five guys if they ran at me in an NFL yeah. game. Now, you'd probably be scraping my dead body off the field <laughs> after one or two hits, but I don't know, man. That just um that kind of signals to me like I don't want anything to do with DeMario Davis in IDP. I mean, if you're yeah. having to roll this guy out, you're in a bad spot already uh, early in the season because especially in tackle heavy leagues, um, that guy's a no go, man. I mean, you're hoping for maybe big plays or a few tackles to be funneled his way and he doesn't mess up, but 
Pete Warner is like a fine. I think I feel like he's a nice like LB two <laughs> three option. I don't want him as my LB one. Um, Carl Granderson has been quietly yeah. pretty good so far this season. Um, the safeties ah, that's that's been a bit of a disappointment there. Um, you know, not a lot to write home about. Uh, but yeah, this it's so odd because this Saints defense is arguably top two, top three defense in the NFL right now. And um, not producing a lot of IDP relevant players. It's always kind of fascinating when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the corners are probably like the most interesting from this from both sides, really, because we know what the Tampa Bay defensive line is as well. We know what the Tampa Bay linebackers are, um, but the corners in this game, I mean, so Jamel Dean for Tampa Bay is likely out of this game. Carl did Davis is banged up. I think we could end up with Christian Izian and Zion McCullen this week. Um, so that's something to kind of keep an eye on. But I think the Saints corners may be more interesting. We got Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore again, which we love to see. Um, Alante Taylor, though, this guy, uh, he so he played 68% of snaps in week one, 98% in week two, and then 100% in week three. So he is a great IDP option to trust and plug into lineups right now, playing that slot role. He's been super productive each week that his snaps have increased his efficiency or his production has almost doubled each week so he's just been a, an excellent player um to target for those that are playing in cb required leagues alante taylor should not be on waiver wires uh anymore yeah adam will wring my neck if he hears that i talked up the saints and did not mention alante <laughs> taylor uh that is his highest rostered yeah. Uh, DB and all the best ball tournaments that we did. So that, he was on to something. Um, and Elante Taylor has been awesome. I think he's a must start in CB required yeah. leagues. Yeah, he's been so good. Um, all right. I, there's not too much more with the, with the Saints and the Buccaneers that, that people need to know about. We, we pretty much have a good handle on who they are. So let's go on to the Los Angeles Rams at your Indianapolis Colts. Where do you want to start uh, with this one? So let's start in a place where I didn't think we were going to start this conversation. The Rams D line, Aaron Donald yeah. is Aaron Donald, but let's talk about Byron young. This was a guy we said was going to potentially be getting an opportunity because it's Michael Hecht Hoyt and Zach van Falkenberg, which mm -hmm. is another amazing superhero alter ego um, <laughs> and very much a real person. But Byron young, we were interested in just because Draft capital was pretty good for the Rams. You have to use a sliding scale for grading their draft capital because they never have any first round picks. Right. Um, and he's a size speed freak. So Byron Young checked a lot of boxes, opportunity, athleticism, draft capital, and the early returns have been very promising. He's going about five tackles per game, two sacks through three weeks. He's been double digit by our scoring every single game. John, let's do a little uh, little trade. This was yeah. a little a trade that got floated on the IDP trade show this week, and it was a really fun one because it's all okay. IDP. So, Dre Greenlaw and Byron Young for Nicobe Dean and Antoine Winfield Jr. Okay, that's, that's um, kind of a fun one, right? Now, yeah, uh, we'll give you the context here. Adam and Evan Ringler, who was the guest on that show, both went with the Dean Winfield side. I came down on the Greenlaw young side. Where do you come down on this one? So I tend to lean the Greenlaw side as well. And and I'll tell you why. So Greenlaw for me, he's still one of the top, I think, dynasty assets for 
um, for IDP at the, at the linebacker position. There aren't many like that. Nicobe Dean is as well. Don't get me wrong, but Dre Greenlaw is, is a proven asset. He's still fairly young. One of the best linebackers in the league. We still haven't quite seen it from Dean. Obviously, you know, not being healthy right now doesn't help that. But I think the main thing, I love Antoine Winfield. Don't get me wrong, but look, look at this year. I mean, look how many safeties you could find off the waiver wire guys that nobody was talking about that are putting up massive production. We're at the edge position. Byron Young, the opportunities there, th this team isn't necessarily going to be able to fill that hole in the next year or so at, at, at their edge position. So Byron Young's opportunity there for the Rams is pretty massive. I mean, what was his snap share last week? It was 92%. That is pretty unheard of for an edge defender, unless you're Max Crosby pretty much, right? So I, I get that. So Byron Young hasn't necessarily had the best pass rush metrics to start the year. I think he's got like a 67.3 pass rush grade so far, but his, his production has been entirely volume based. And, and that, that that is, you know, at least something to kind of fall back on if you're putting him into starting lineups he's got a sack every week which has been great but i think it is worth keeping in mind that those metrics if they don't come up it, it becomes slightly harder to kind of trust um him in, in maybe those big play leagues right but i think should still have plenty of tackle production by default playing 90 percent of snaps and then um again like this he's still a rookie right so there's that potential for him to kind of develop and get better with more reps and as time comes because I mean, I put out the graphs and stuff in the offseason showing like um, progression for defensive linemen through their NFL career. And years one and two, they don't typically produce the way that we expect. And then it isn't until years three and four, five and six that we're really starting to see them hit their peak and hit their stride in, in the NFL. So, yeah, I think it's worth taking a shot on, you know, on a Byron Young right now. I think he's somebody that you can plug into lineups if you need it at the edge position because those those guys are hard to find whereas safety maybe not so much and then obviously linebacker you could call it a wash if you like but i do still like drake greenlaw over uh nicobe dean yeah that's kind of where i came down too is like i think greenlaw is a better asset than nicobe dean linebacker wise love antoine winfield but safety as we've seen very replaceable um you know with dax hill and cam bynum and other types of dudes popping into the top 10 there and I originally said on the recap episode we did where we were discussing this trade that that Byron Young was the most unproven asset in the trade. I think Nicobe Dean might be the most unproven asset in the trade because we've seen three games of production now from Byron Young. And I mean, at most we've seen one and a half, two games of Nicobe right. Dean performing. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun trade. Um, I think it's very close, but for me, I want the piece that has the chance to be the most coveted asset in IDP, which in my opinion is a top 25 to 30 edge rusher. And I really do think Byron Young has that upside. So um, yeah, that was just a fun trade. I, I love what Byron Young has been doing. Um, where do you have him ranked this week? I'm curious uh, kind of where you're coming down on him. So I believe I still have him in the edge three range. I don't have the exact um, number pulled up here. So He's he's in that kind of volume based production. I know he like as far as like where he's scoring right now, he's like top ten or something yeah, like that as is. far as scoring right. But I'm not putting him inside the top ten just because we know there are so many other like guys that can have like those three sack games right that have the pass rush metrics 
and the volume behind them where young right now it's just the volume. So he's still a startable player for me, you know, in maybe a defensive flex spot or something like that. But there are still a fair amount of edges that I, I prefer um, going forward because as much as, you know, the first three games have been good, he's still, he does still, is still kind of unproven in a way. Right. So it's still very early in the season. So. Yeah, yeah, very much a, a dynasty riser. Don't know how much I trust him for, right. you know, um, kind of redraft every week start kind of options. But depending on your team's makeup, how many starter positions you have to fill, this guy could definitely be in play. If you're in one of those start four DL type mm-hmm. of leagues, he's probably cracking your lineup. And oh, I'd yeah. say at least so far you felt pretty good about it. So that's on the Rams side of things. On the Colts side, this is my favorite team. I've got a lot of thoughts and opinions on this team so far. Sitting atop the AFC South, who would have guessed, especially with Gardner Minshew starting uh, week three. What a game that was. Amazing, um, amazing game. <laughs> but let's talk about the IDP asset that I think we had the most questions about from the Indianapolis Colts this offseason. That is Shaq Leonard. Yeah. Zaire Franklin, clearly the LB that you want. We missed we missed on Zaire this offseason. We wondered if Shaq is back. What does that split look like? Um, you know, we'd only seen it one year from Zaire. What if he reverted back? You know, is this just a flash in the pan? Zaire Franklin is awesome. That yeah. dude is the heart and soul of that Indianapolis defense. He's a playmaker. He brings the juice. He's got the captain's patch, which Adam always likes to bring up as a huge plus. I, we need a captain patch in every ranking, like checkbox, <laughs> just to see is this guy a captain? Because it matters, John. Yeah, yeah. It, does. it matters. And so he's the guy you want. Uh, he's currently on pace for, I'm checking my notes here, 255 tackles this season. So <laughs> not bad for Zaire Franklin. Um, Shaq is getting more snaps at 75% than EJ Speed, who's playing right. 49% of snaps. But here's where I think we might differ, John, is that I think the belief around this table, too, on our show is that EJ Speed is going to eventually supplant Shaq Leonard altogether. Speed is on the field for the most important plays of the game, third down. And if you watch the games, man, he just has so much more juice than Shaq Leonard, whose athleticism, unfortunately, at this point in his career due to injuries, is just gone. Um, You're not starting EJ Speed, but I'm stashing Speed because of what might be coming down the road. And that's not just that he outplays Shaq Leonard and takes over his starting job but that he's an injury replacement for Shaq Leonard, right? I don't, I, I, I bristle at when people say that injury prone is not a thing. Mm -hmm. I think for the most part that miss that label gets misapplied, but in my opinion, there are certain players, Jamal Adams, Joey Bosa, Shaq Leonard that have repeated injury histories that are varied, right? With Shaq Leonard, it's been the, the, the leg injuries, you know, the the nerve not firing and the calf and the back injuries and the broken noses and the concussions. And it's like, if this guy can make it through an entire season, it'll be a miracle. So EJ Speed has inherent value just as an injury replacement. But after watching this guy this season, John, I think he's a better linebacker than Shaq Leonard is right now. Yeah, I, uh, it's pretty clear that, yeah, Leonard isn't, his old self right and and isn't fully healthy um as far as yeah taking him over by the i just i don't know i i feel like the team is almost like 
like they're just they're they're stuck with him kind of thing like they have to put him out there right Shaq Leonard um and play him over an EJ speed it just because they've paid him already too I think uh, the least the way that I'm I'm looking at it right now we talked about this with Joey as well I, I don't know that it's necessarily like a full takeover of Leonard's snaps at at least at this point more of the shift in roles, right? Which we're seeing more across the league. And it's not something that's super common, but it it isn't out of the ordinary either, right? So Leonard isn't playing on those third down snaps, um, potentially because he doesn't have the coverage ability anymore. He doesn't have that movement that they need to play him on passing downs, but he is still being trusted in those early downs, right? Defending the run and and, and having that um, experience and, and feel for defending the run and, and playing gaps properly and things like that, where speed, not an overly experienced linebacker in the NFL. So we do know the teams tend to trust experience more than anything. So hopefully Leonard feels better as the season goes. Like we just talked about it. It's harder to get healthier as the season goes on. Right. But um, yeah, it'll, it's an interesting one to kind of track throughout the year because there, there's potential for it to go both ways. I, I tend to lean that this is just kind of the new norm for how the Colts are going to deploy their linebackers um, with EJ Speed playing that those passing down uh, snaps and Leonard playing early down. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm not ruling out that that Speed is going to take him over at some point. The thing to keep in mind, new coaching staff, Shane Steichen mm-hmm. did not draft Shaq Leonard. He did not pay Shaq Leonard. Now, Gus Bradley is still there, who was, he's been the defensive coordinator now, I think, for three years in Indy. So there is a little bit of continuity, but keep in mind that this coaching staff did go out and re-sign EJ Speed. So they made a financial investment to bring this guy back, whereas they have no ties to Shaq Leonard, and I think he will be cut this next offseason when the dead cap drops below his actual cap hit. So yeah. it's always just, you know, we'll talk about the Texans here in a little bit. And it's like, it's, it's always interesting to me, the existing assets on a team that a coach or a regime did not personally bring in. You just got to be careful because the, the rug can be pulled out from those guys at any point. Um, the, the guy I was expecting the rug to be pulled out from under is another guy I want to bring up here, Julian Blackman. We heard all offseason, John, right? This guy is going to be the box safety, right? right. right? It's like um, it, it, this is the role that we're kind of slotting him into. We've never seen him do it. He's traditionally mm-hmm. been a deep safety, right? But Gus Bradley's defense, the box safety role, very profitable for IDP. So we paid attention. And I mean, thus far, the usage has been outstanding. 74% of his snaps in the sweet spot, nine tackles per game. That's 153 tackle pace for the season. He's played 100% of snaps so far. Everything that we have wanted for Julian Blackman has come to fruition. I think he's locked in as like a high-end safety two option for you. I don't know kind of where you're ranking him each week, John, but that feels like he's cracking the lineup in most leagues. Yeah, no, he is for sure. I, I I have him as safety nine this week. I just love the the utilization there. Forty six percent in the box so far this year, and yeah, like you said, it's allowed him to be one of the most efficient tacklers at the position, despite never having that history there. Right, so he's now played more box snaps in three games. Uh, this year than he has in any one of his previous three seasons as a starter in the NFL. So um, I think that's a pretty important transition there, especially for a guy that was never really IDP relevant. And now he is putting up such strong tackle numbers that just shows you kind of the importance of deployment 
uh, for, for our IDP safeties, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, being closer to the ball makes you more apt to make plays. Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> one final group I want to talk about from this Colts team. Give me some grace here, listeners. This is my favorite squad, and it's an exciting defense. Yeah. Um, in fact, I would argue that our defense is what has gotten us two wins thus far uh, in the 2023 season. And let's talk about maybe, not maybe, probably, likely, the best unit on this team, which is the defensive line, tied for second in the league right now in total team sacks. Not since the days of Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis, John, have the Colts had a fearsome pass rush. But we have the makings of one now. DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, Quiddy Pay, Samson Ebucam, Dio Odangbo. They've been making the QBs' lives miserable. But the highlight for me, it's Quiddy Pay. Yeah. He's finally putting it together in his third season after being drafted in the first round. He has one sack in each game and weirdly one fumble recovery in two games. I found that kind of uh, interesting stat quirk. Uh, his pressure rate is 10.1. So, you know, it's fine. Uh, averaging four tackles per game. I'm not, I don't really see pay as like entrenched in like the edge one, like top 12 conversation, but he's firmly in that edge two territory for me. And that speaks more towards how deep and rich the edge position has been to start the season. But we waited and waited for Quiddy Pay to put it together. My man, I think, is finally coming into his own. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And and this was a, a, one of my breakout candidates coming into the year. And it's because, right, we we do have to kind of be patient with these guys that are like these athletic freaks that have the, the physical tools but aren't necessarily the most refined pass rushers. It takes time. So coming into year three here, really nice to see for Quiddy Pay. I have him in that edge two range as well for, for rankings-wise. But uh, yeah, the Colts D-line, it definitely a hot start. Tied for the second most sacks in the league, third highest uh, pressure to sack conversion rate just for their defensive line alone. And I don't like to rain on the parade, but the, the, I do think that the other shoe could drop at some point because they are 28th in pressure rate um, so far this year at 29.7%. But this is a great matchup this week, at least against the Rams, right? The third lowest pass blocking grade in the league for their offensive line at 37.8. So still like that Colts offensive line quite a bit this week but um yeah something to kind of keep in mind it, it i think that there could be some regression there as the weeks go on but they've been they've been excellent so far this year absolutely all right let's go on to the minnesota vikings at the carolina panthers um let's do our quick uh weekly ivan pace update here uh so ivan pace uh, the linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings undrafted free agent did have his lowest snap share of the year 62% last week. I don't think it's all that concerning though. We know he is just the LB two there and Brian Flores is really only going to rely on one linebacker as a full-time player. So really we're just kind of biding our time here uh, until Jordan Hicks gets hurt. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, but uh, look, Ivan Pace has been excellent. 84.9 defensive grade on the year, fourth among all linebackers, but not somebody that you technically want to start in, in your lineups um, for most leagues uh, just yet, but just nice to see. And I like to give the Ivan Pace update. Um, other than that, the Vikings defensive line versus the Carolina offensive line, I think should be the story here. No team has allowed more total pressures this season than the Carolina Panthers, who have allowed 65 on the year. They've also allowed the second highest pressure rate at 44.8%. 
Daniel Hunter hasn't necessarily torn it up as far as pass rush metrics go, but he's playing a ton over 90%, I believe. And, and now he has five sacks in three games. He's still a top five edge option this week against the Panthers. Um, it would also be a really nice time for Marcus Davenport to come back and, and have a nice game. I'm just saying, but um, we'll see if that actually happens or not. You are clinging on to that Marcus Davenport life raft <laughs> as the giant gash in the side uh, slowly deflates yeah. the raft into the water and the sharks start swir- circling. But yeah, um, Daniil Hunter, man, he is going to break Bryce Young over his knee like a little baby. Or if it's Andy Dalton, doesn't matter. Still going to lift him up and break him over his knee like a tiny baby because Daniil Hunter looks like an action figure. And um, he has been tremendous this season. And um, especially with that woeful Carolina offensive line, um, I think he's got to be in consideration for like edge one this week um, because he's proven it. He's got the volume. And um, maybe those uh, pass rush metrics get right against this horrid offensive line. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, John, what do you think is going on with the Panthers linebackers? This kind of seems like a mess now. Shaq Thompson out for the year. Yeah. Frankie Louvu out for, do we know how long Frankie's out? Um, well, it, it sounds like he won't miss time with the hip injury. It okay, sounds like they, good. they didn't think it was that serious. At least the latest update that I saw today, it said something about him not they're not concerned about him missing time that this hip injury isn't that serious. So even though he left the game, I think around the, the, the end of the first half or so last week, um, it doesn't seem like he's actually going to miss this game, but we'll see that could just be coach speak or whatever. But I think that's one to kind of worth, worth kind of keeping an eye on. But if he does, um, I mean, well, even if he doesn't, because like you said, Jack Thompson's out. So Camu Gruger Hill played a hundred percent of snaps when Frankie Luvu was out of the game in the second half for what it's worth. Deion Jones also mixed in there a fair bit. So another situation to monitor there. Um, I'm leaning Camu Gruger-Hill being the LB2 here, but I I wouldn't be surprised to see him and Jones kind of split up those vacant Shaq Thompson snaps um, this week potentially. But uh, I do think that if Frankie Louvu plays, I would lean Camu Gruger-Hill. If Frankie Louvu doesn't play, I think both of those guys can have some value. Yeah, seems like uh, Grugier Hill is the uh, guy that you want regardless in both scenarios. I hope Frankie plays. He's such a fun yeah, player to watch, cool. man. He's such a stud. Uh, for me, really, it's Brian Burns and Frankie Louvu mm-hmm. on this team. I mean, maybe Derek Brown if you're in D-tackle required leagues. Mm-hmm. And maybe Jeremy Chin. John, are we going back down <laughs> the Jeremy Chin road now with the no. uh, Xavier Woods injury? I, I don't think I am. I, I just... I. I feel like maybe he'll get more playing time. Xavier Woods is expected to miss time. Chin did play more than usual this past week, but it was Sam Franklin who came in and absorbed the vacant Woods snaps playing mostly deep safety. So I'm not as interested in Sam Franklin just because it's more of a deep safety role. So I am more interested to just kind of see if that was game plan specific for Jeremy Chin playing 77% of snaps, or if he's going to be uh, moving back to the safety role um, there in Carolina. So not trusting any of these guys other than Von Bell this week, um, because I do want to see how it plays out, but I don't know, man, Jeremy Chin is super disappointing that the way they've deployed him this year has been uh, basically made him droppable in almost any kind of league format. So We'll see if he has value this week as maybe a potential waiver wire claim for the week after um, or or this week if you're if you're desperate and, and need this 
need, need the start, but eh, not not as excited for him. Yeah, I, I skip it. Uh, that team, if Frankie's out, it's Brian Burns or bust for me. I'm not mm-hmm. not, and it's always context specific, right? You may not have any better options than Kamu right. Grugier Hill or Deion Jones or um, Jeremy Chin, but hopefully you do because these are not fun options. Like it's hold your nose and start them sometimes. Yeah. I feel like you'd have to like permanently lose your sense of smell to deal with the stink <laughs> of putting those guys in your lineup. So let's, uh, let's move on to the next game. Cause yeah. this one makes me a little sad. All right, fair enough. Let's go on to a game that hopefully won't make anybody sad. This should be a very fun one. The Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. Josh, I'll let you kick us off wherever you want to start uh, with one of these teams. Man, talking about making me sad, Jalen Phillips picked up an oblique injury. John, we had to look up what the oblique was. I don't think as like mid-30s wash dads that we have obliques. I think we have think love so. love handles where our oblique should be. But uh, Jalen Phillips dealing with a second injury this season, it's a bummer. Um, I think old Rip Van Winkle, uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, has put some kind of curse on Jalen Phillips. Um, and although his initials do spell AVG, average, Van Ginkle, he's been pretty solid the last, I got to give the guys props. He's been pretty solid the last two weeks, averaging 19.33 points in our scoring system. Um, I don't want anything to do with him because I don't want to dishonor Jalen like that, but I think you could do worse than uh, Rip Van Winkle uh, this week. Yeah, I I think if Jalen Phillips is going to miss time, um, Van Ginkle could potentially be worth a shot here. Um, there, there should be plenty of opportunity to rush the passer. This should be a pass heavy game between both sides. So yeah, not as excited about him as I would be if Jalen Phillips was in there. We'll see how it goes this week. I don't, again, I don't know what an oblique is. So hopefully whatever that is heals quickly for him. Um, but yeah, it's a weird situation there for Miami because if Phillips is out, we talked about this last week too. If Phillips is out, Van Ginkle plays his edge spot, which means that David Long plays a little bit more off-ball linebacker. But if Phillips is in, Van Ginkle plays a little bit more off-ball linebacker and David Long kind of disappears into the darkness. Yeah, I don't know. Um, (laughs) It's like a a Rube Goldberg machine here. If Jalen Phillips is out, then Van Ginkle's here and there's David Long. But if he's in, then David Long goes back into his hole. I don't like that, uh, Vic Fangio. We're going to talk about a player whose usage, I like what you're doing with this guy. Don't like what you're doing with David Long a player that the Dolphins brought in in free agency. Um, So yeah, get better soon, Jalen Phillips. Unfortunately, with how muscular and large your body is, that's a lot of oblique to heal. So hopefully it heals quickly for your sake and for our sake, uh, because I think the breakout is still on track. Getting a little nervous with these injuries, though. So get better soon. If I had an oblique, I would mail it to you, Jalen. But yeah. I don't think that's that arrangement is going to work. So <laughs> let's talk about Javon Holland, though, John. Um, yes. I've long been a Javon Holland stan, mm-hmm. um, much like Quiddy Pay. Um, the other guy that's close to my heart and close to my roster in our main league, uh, we're finally seeing it come together for Javon Holland. His problem was never talent, John. It was just usage. Yeah. But so far this season, Holland is logging 52.7% of his snaps in the sweet spot. That's DL, box, and slot. 
Um, his career sweet spot usage was 28%. So he's almost doubled that this, this season. I said it on our recap show this week. It's very clear to me. Vic Fangio loves having a guy like Javon Holland in his arsenal. So question for you, John, does Mr. Holland's opus continue to get such primo usage moving forward? I think it does. I, I feel I so pretty too. good about him. Yeah. 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 I think I just, I feel good about the way that they've deployed him. I think he's been effective for them. I think they're going to like to see that that is working out on their behalf. I don't think there's any reason for them to go to Brandon Jones or to switch it with, switch him with Deshaun Elliott or anybody like that. I think Javon Holland is their star there at the safety position. So you get him on the field, you put him in, you put him amongst the action as, as much as he can be involved and let him do his thing. And, and, and that's what we've been getting. And that's why he's safety one on the year so far this season. So yeah, we, I, I, I love the, the, the matchup again for him this week, 36% in the box on the year around there. That's been great. Super efficient as a tackler so far as well, which has obviously been huge. And, and thank you to that deployment for that happening. Um, but yeah, this should be another great matchup for for safeties and DBs here in in both game in this game on both sides. So yeah, um, yeah, get on board, Javon Holland. Get on board the Javon Holland train, man. He's so fun, isn't it? Fun, yeah. John, to play IDP and have guys on your team that just make plays and are fun oh, yeah. to watch. That makes fantasy football more fun. And Javon Holland has been atop that list for me this season. Definitely, yeah, he's been awesome. Um, Another guy that's been pretty fun on the Bills side, at least last week he was, Terrell Bernard, uh, who is being their LB2 right now uh, next to Matt Milano. LB2, you could call them whatever you want. They both play the same amount of snaps. So he's really been their LB1 just but but production-wise. But Terrell Bernard, two sacks, an interception last week. That boosted him way up the IDP leader scoring boards. Um, I, I love seeing that as much as the next guy for sure. I think it is important and, and that we don't necessarily chase that production uh, the following week, especially maybe in a game like this where he might not have those kind of opportunities, right? Tua Tungavailoa has been one of the best quarterbacks so far this year as far as turnover-worthy play rates go. Um, Miami has also done a really great job of keeping Tua from getting hit or sacked this year. He has the second-best knockdown rate in the league on the season. Um, you t that kind of takes away a lot of that potential that we saw last week for Bernard, but still a full-time player, which makes him startable in most leagues. And, and really that's what we're hoping for. Everything else on top of that is just a bonus. Yeah. We were worried about Terrell Bernard this off season, especially when it was Tyrell Dotson season, mm -hmm. Dorian Williams season, AJ freaking Klein season there yeah. for a hot minute. And so one of the more savage kind of last minute twists. Oh, it's actually Terrell Bernard. He's mm -hmm. going to be the LB two. That nugget dropped about two days before <laughs> the season started. I feel like, yeah. Uh, so good on Sean McDermott for keeping that under wraps like a Marvel cameo. Um, but we kind of worried even with Bernard getting the nod. What if this guy doesn't play well, the rug right. could get pulled out from under this guy. They could go with Dodson or Klein or Dorian or bring in someone off the street for that matter. But man, he has been playing well, 24 total tackles, two sacks, two INTs, a fumble recovery, 91% of snaps. My only real issue is something that Adam brought up this week that I wasn't aware of. The total snap volume is so low just because this guy plays in Buffalo. He is averaging 45 snaps per game. Zaire Franklin is averaging 75.3 snaps per game. That's 30 snaps more per game than Terrell Bernard. 
I have full faith firing this guy up unless you have one of those higher volume producers ahead of him, like a CJ Mosley, like a Zaire Franklin. Um, We're still early enough in the season that I'm going to lean on the volume when making those start sit decisions between several good options. I'm going to lean on the guys that are getting more opportunities on the field. Yeah. And and typically like the, defensive snaps played it it tends to kind of even out throughout the year right it, right now it's been very low for buffalo but I, they'll i don't think that'll be the case this week against miami and we'll see that kind of level out throughout uh the rest of the season so I, I don't think you have to worry about it too much for bernard but it could potentially be in those games where they are uh heavily favored or something like that because they bills haven't been afraid to sit these guys too and rest them when they're when they're up comfortably right so uh, that would be the one thing to kind of consider there. Um, anything else from this game or you want to move to uh, Denver, Chicago? Let's go Denver, Chicago. All right, let's do it. Let's go to Den- Denver Broncos at the Chicago Bears is the next one. So the top storyline here, probably Josie Jules groin um, doesn't seem like he's fully healthy right now. Uh, and that could be a problem because we could get, well, not, not that it's a problem because we, we like um, Alex Kingleton, but Alex Kingleton could be getting a full-time role. Um, he is typically pretty efficient when he's on the field. So I think there's potential for him to kind of get back into that top 12 range of linebacker, but he needs to be playing every down snaps um, because this defense isn't as tackle friendly as it was last year. Um, so that, that would be the one thing to kind of keep in mind there. Um, I also don't have a lot of confidence that the bears offense will even be on the field that much for that opportunity, but that that's kind of a whole other story. Um, if Josie jewel does miss time, the rookie drew Sanders, uh, may take on Alex Singleton's more rotational role, um, in the defense. So giving him some opportunity for dynasty managers that spent rookie picks on him or that are look in deeper leagues, adding him from the waiver wire, um, any interest in Drew Sanders? This this Broncos defense has been an absolute nightmare. They lead the league in missed tackles with 43. So um, they're struggling out there. What, do you think Drew Sanders can help? Yes, I think he can help, but only so much. I cannot get the image out of my mind of like eight Denver Broncos laid out on the grounds in that Miami game like a, like a grenade had gone off and they were all ducking for cover. Um, I don't know how good this defense is. Um, I think we could see... It's Vance Joseph, right? Is the defensive coordinator there? Yeah. I think we could see him getting the boot here in the next week or two if things don't turn around. Um, and man, outside of Kingleton, there's not a lot of players on this defense that I'm really firing up with confidence. Zach Allen, yeah. sure. It's, yeah. You know, it's like mild interest depending on your league depth. Randy Gregory might be one of the most frustrating edge rushers in the league. Um, you know, obviously I have a little bit of interest in Jewel if he's healthy. Drew Sanders, I'm excited to see what he can do. Am I putting a guy into the lineup week one if he is inheriting a larger role? Probably not. I'd like to be in a situation where I don't have to do that, but I am excited. I think this will probably be alongside Jack Campbell, uh, one of the rookie debuts, right? I mean, how many rookie mm-hmm. LBs are getting a ton of run right now? Um, yeah, not a lot. Dayon Henley can't get on the field. Dorian Williams can't get on the field. Um, so I'm excited to see what Drew Sanders can do. But man, this is the matchup of the two teams that got their pants pulled down on the playground last week. I mean, the Chicago Bears got embarrassed in front of Taylor Swift. Um, oh, 
yeah, I don't know, man. This both these teams just kind of have a stink on them right now. Um, yeah. Kingleton, yeah, fire him up, especially if he's getting full time work. He could have twenty five tackles in a game yeah. with a hundred percent of snaps. But outside that, man, this Denver defense kind of stinks for IDP. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I wouldn't want to spend much more time on Denver. I'm talking about them here. Um, so let's go to the Chicago team. And again, kind of the same thing here with Chicago. Their defensive line is God awful. They're just, there's nobody there of interest. Even Yannick and Gawkway. Um, corner Kyler Gordon's hurt. The rest of them are kind of banged up as well. So that's a bummer. Jaquan Brisker banged up as well. So he's interesting at safety, but really it's the linebackers. I think for Chicago, TJ Edwards has been awesome. It's a great defense for tackle production. He's definitely delivered. Tremaine Edmonds did leave last game. That's the only note I have really, but he figures to be fine. He played 73% last week. Um, but it seems like it's nothing serious. But if it is, Jack Sanborn would be the next man up. So, okay. Anything else for Chicago? This team stinks, John. Yeah, they they're they're, they're, they're a dumpster <laughs> fire of epic proportions. Uh, yeah, the LBs are fine. You've got some decent safety options there, and Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker, and yeah, Kyler Gordon when he comes back should be fine. Mm-hmm. But man, these teams just make me very sad. I think let's move on to the next game because not a lot to get excited about here. Yeah, let's move on. Let's do a quick ad from our friends at DraftKings first. Um, We are back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers with every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw $5 down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code PFF. New customers can bet $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino and resort licensee partner golden nugget lake charles louisiana 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus best expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply all right John, that was an auctioneer-like performance, (laughs) and we are getting the DraftKings in Kentucky starting tomorrow. So let's go. Yeah, plus seventy-five hundred. Rashawn Gary, comeback player of the year. Five bucks pays like four hundred or something. So there you go. You you know I love it. I'm going to be laying the wood on that. The whole college tuition for the kiddos going on Rashawn Gary's comeback player of the year chances. Let's go. Um, All right, let's go on to the Washington Commanders at the Philadelphia Eagles. Josh, where do you want to start with this game? So let's kick things off with the Washington linebackers. Um, Mm -hmm. And we'll get to the better unit here in just a second, which is the defensive line. 100% of snaps for Cody Farton, Starton, Barton. 68% for I can't drive 65, Jamin Davis. Um, John, I want to start a team with Cody Barton. Alex Anzalone and big Bob Robert Spillane that gets absolutely blown away on the NFL (laughs) field, but absolutely eats for IDP, nothing but three linebacker sets and drip for this trio. Um, (laughs) You know, I kind of lump all these guys in together. I can't imagine why Um, I'm not a Barton guy. I know there are folks that are a fan of this dude because he's always 
underrated, disrespected. He always goes in and performs. I just think the dude kind of stinks. And um, he's just pure volume and tackles, man. That's yeah. all it is. 100% of snaps, just purely a tackle machine. Uh, I want more from my linebackers personally, but if you're in a tackle-heavy league, he's a fine option. I like Jamin Davis in big play leagues, but not at that snap percentage. I want to see him tick yeah. up a little bit. Um, I was with you that I thought Jamin was going to be the guy. I don't know if the off-field stuff kind of cost him that opportunity or what happens, but I've been very disappointed that they haven't given Davis more run in now, what, his third season? Yeah, yeah, third season. I, I'm super disappointed. I thought he played really well last year when he filled in for Cole Holcomb as a full-time player. I thought that was a really strong indication that they trusted him and they were going going to trust him for this year, especially when you consider that the only player they brought in was Cody Barton, who you don't think would necessarily be a threat to start and play that 100% role. But here we are. He is the clear uh, LB1 option there, Cody Barton. So we like that for IDP because these guys don't cost much and we could plug them into lineups and they could hopefully be productive. But man, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but these first round picks on linebackers, probably we probably got to stop doing it right for NFL teams. They just have not been worth it. And like we've had Micah Parsons. He doesn't really count because he's an edge um, and was kind of a hybrid player coming out anyways. But Quay Walker might be the only one that's kind of working out so far. And it's still super early there, but Otherwise, like the last three or four years, it's Devin Lloyd, uh, Zavin Collins, uh, Jamin Davis, Isaiah Simmons, Kenneth Murray, uh, Jordan Brooks, Patrick Queen, Devin White, Devin Bush. These guys all kind of stink. They all have a potential to not get their fifth year option picked up or extended. So why spend the first round pick on it? That's a big list of players that just aren't worth the first round talent. So I don't know. That's that's my rant about spending first round picks on linebackers. Hopefully Jack Campbell is not next. Um, hopefully he becomes one of the outliers there. But man, not a great hit rate so far for the NFL. Not great. Uh, not worth the pick. But hey, for IDP, first round draft capital does make us feel better that this guy is going to get an yeah. opportunity. Now, is he worth the crap? That remains to be seen. Does he get that second contract with his team? Probably not. But um, all the guys that you mentioned have had moments, some fewer than others, but for IDP. But I agree with you in terms of real NFL. I don't know why these teams continue to spend first round picks on a position they can get to hit much later in the draft. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about a position that you want to draft early and often in the actual NFL draft, and that's defensive line. Washington's yes. defensive line. What about Deron Payne? John, it's good to see him playing well. He had an outstanding 2022. He's currently detackled too by our scoring. He scored double digits every week, playing 79% of snaps. He's getting enough volume for me, John, to be in that category of set it and forget it detackles if you're in mm -hmm. a detackle required league. What do you think about uh, Jaron Payne so far this season? Yeah, I'm with you. I, him, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, even Chase Young now. It's nice to see Chase Young back. These guys, I think, all have the potential to be locked into lineups um, pretty much every week. And look, the, the volume is going to be there. We know that they have the potential to put up strong pass rush metrics um, and, and, and pressure numbers, sack rates as well. So that's that's what you really want and these guys will kind of be able to help each other as well by them collapsing the pocket and creating 
chaos in the backfield, it creates opportunities for the other ones to kind of get in and clean up on the sacks as well. So that it's just a nice defensive line for, for IDP there um, with all of these guys. And, and like I said, nice to have Chase Young back healthy as well. Um, the, I will say the Eagles offensive line, Jalen Hurts, they've been a tougher matchup. Jalen Hurts has the second lowest knockdown rate in the league, tied with Miami uh, at 3.7%. And this Eagles O-line has been pretty solid still, even though they haven't been as good as, as last season. Um, so it could still create a tougher matchup here uh, for, for this Washington D-line. But this is a group that is talented enough to kind of overcome that. Yeah, and the... Uh... You know, Vikings did give the Eagles fits on Thursday night football. Uh, Daniil Hunter was wrecking shop. So I think that we could see, um, I wouldn't bet on it, but I it's in the range of outcomes that we could have a big blow up game from like a Montez Sweat, um, sure. who's I think a really solid option. You're looking at 76% of snaps, a little bit quiet in week three. I still think he's a top option at edge. Jonathan Allen started week one well. He's been quiet the last two weeks, but he's playing 87% of snaps, so that's great. Uh, I'm still firing up Jonathan Allen. I think he's one of the better D tackles in the league. Uh, I have confidence in him long term. You mentioned mm -hmm. Chase Young, John. He's back. He's played 75.3% of snaps the last two weeks. He has a sack and a half, six tackles. What do yep. we think about this guy rest of season? I see him as kind of like an edge three option. Um, just because again, the position is so flush with talent. Um, and you know, what we've seen from Chase Young when he's been healthy has been up and down, but the early signs have been promising this season. Yeah, I think so. I think he looks a lot better. I think he's already through the few games that we've seen him so far this year. I think that's been a positive sign, just kind of watching him on the field, seeing that kind of explosiveness and, and that dominance at the snap has been a positive sign for me. There's going to be games where he's quiet for sure, but I like him as like a low end edge too, like around that 24 range, 20 to 24 range fairly regularly. Um, I think there's that potential there. And, and if he starts to string together some games with strong pass rush metrics, I think that just kind of pushes him further up the ranks as well. Um, and as we continue to see him get healthy. So yeah, I I have faith that that he'll be able to have a strong year and and hopefully get you know an extension there in Washington, stay there or whatever ends up happening with him. But um, yeah, not ready to to rule out Chase Young yet. I think he has. I think he still has that that potential that we were kind of hoping for from him. Yeah, we all want to see Chase Young do well. I do think he's out uh, next off season. I think they're going to prioritize mm -hmm. re-signing Montez Sweat. That's my prediction. Um, we'll see how it goes. Let's uh, look at the other team, though, John, and talk about the Eagles linebackers. There are certain teams at this point in the season, groups that are just total stayaways for me. The Eagles linebackers, I'm just not interested, man. Nicholas Morrow, Zach Cunningham, Christian Ellis, you can just keep all that. No, thank you. Um, I know there's value here, and I admire guys like you trying to sift through <laughs> the turds to find the diamonds, but I would rather just look elsewhere. I I'm not really excited about anyone in this group. Yeah, yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, it, it may not seem like Nicholas Morrow is playing a full-time role just looking at his box score, but he is. That 95% in week two, 100% in week three, but the man has just five tackles in two games, which is a 4.9% tackle efficiency. That is absolute dog. Um, 
water. But we'll, look, the, the snaps are there. We'll see if he turns it around at some point. But man, yeah, that, that that's all we're really banking on here is the snaps. Cunningham, I think, could be fine if he gets back up to that 85 to 90 percent role. He was below 80 percent this past week. Hopefully, Nicobe Dean hurries back and we could get him um, kind of saving this this linebacker group here because there's potential there um, for a full-time player to be useful for IDP. But Nicholas Morrow has not been that so far. Yeah, I think these guys could play 200% of snaps and uh, would still probably only <laughs> produce about five or six tackles. These dudes stink. Um, yeah. <laughs> guy who has not stunk, though, John, through the first three weeks is Reed Blankenship. Yeah. Um, in the two games he's played, he's essentially seen 100% of the snaps. He's averaging nine tackles per game. He has an INT. Let me ask you this. Is there a reason not to trust this guy? He seems like one of the sneakiest, like, elite safety starts out there. I mean, he's averaging, by our scoring, 21 points per game. That's fifth among all DBs. Is there a reason not to like Reed Blankenship? I kind of love Reed Blankenship. I, right? I, I don't know why yeah. you wouldn't at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, it, I I have a, a kind of a soft spot for like these UDFA players. But look, 2022 UDFA out of Middle Tennessee, nobody's heard of him. But he played really well last year when they needed him. He, he posted a 78.9 overall grade last year through the playoffs as well. Um, this year, an 83.0 overall grade. And like you said, he's been a decent IDP. So look, I, I know the NFL wants to look to replace these UDFA guys all the time, but I'm kind of all aboard the, the blank and ship to the moon here. Um, he, he has been great. Yeah. I had high hopes for Sidney Brown and I still do think he's the future of the safety yeah. position there in Philly, but for this year, all aboard the Reed blank and ship train, the Reed blank and ship ship. Let's fly yep. blank and ship, baby. Um, anything else for this game? Uh, Eagles, Washington, Let's talk Ravens Browns, baby. Let's do it. All right. So let us start with, I mean, where else? Where else are we going to start with Kyle Hamilton? He is him. He proved it this past week. Uh, the man, I mean, oh my God, he he was a monster this past week. Three sacks. Everyone was kind of ready to, to write him off. After two weeks, he was dropped in a ton of leagues. I, I know this because I got a lot of messages saying that they dropped him. Um, but even in dynasty leagues, he was dropped. I, I, I picked him up immediately before, before last week's game, because somebody dropped him in a dynasty league. So look, if you trusted the process, you likely won your week with three sacks. I left him inside the top 10 rankings last week. Um, and he delivered, um, he did see a significant shift in his usage, moving to a primary slot role which definitely keeps him more involved in the action. Um, he was just playing way too many deep snaps the first two weeks to, to be overly effective. I think Marcus Williams should be back as well to play more of those deep snaps, but they're also without a nickel corner with Ardarius Washington landing on IR. So I think this role will stick here for uh, Hamilton. I just don't expect three sacks every week, but as long as that usage remains, then he'll remain among my top 10 safeties. Yeah, and it's like we've seen this slot role be so profitable for IDP, John, whether it's Brian mm -hmm. Branch, who we talked about briefly, whether it's, um, you know, Legereus Need or Trent McDuffie, whether it's, um, you know, any number of guys, Kenny Moore, you know, a few seasons ago had that slot role. And these guys, when they get that role, are good, not just in like CB required leagues, but DB leagues. I mean, if you're playing on sleeper, those slot cornerbacks are, 
a lot of times some of your best starts because it raises the tackle floor. It gives them that opportunity to, you know, have those blitz opportunities like we saw. I mean, I don't think the uh, opposing teams are going to give him like three clean looks at the quarterback. And, uh, you know, Adam kind of speculated maybe Gardner Minshew ate, you know, took some gummies before this game and was not maybe in his uh, right sober mind. But, hey, look, this is what we knew was possible with Kyle Hamilton. All the stars aligned for this guy this season. He had the opportunity. We expected good alignment. He's an athletic freak. The draft capital was there. This was the culmination of everything that we had been waiting for. I planted a flag on Kyle Hamilton as a top three safety this season. I feel really good about that. Um, Of course, of course, he's not going to put up this kind of stat line every game. I mean, come on, let's not be dopes here. But there are a few safeties in IDP I'm as excited about now than Kyle Mm -hmm. Hamilton. Yeah, this was the kind of potential we were looking for, right? We just we we knew that he was going to be a good, effective blitzer if they utilized him that way. We know he could be an effective tackler if they put him in that situation. So it's just a matter of them deploying him correctly, and then he's going to be an IDP star. Um, anything else for the Ravens that's uh, worth touching on? No, I mean, you know what you got there. Roquan yeah. Smith is great. Patrick Queen has been surprisingly pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think he's a fine start. Um, defensive line has just kind of been meh, not a lot going on there. So, yeah, I think we can move on to the Browns. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Ravens defensive line has been super banged up as well. I think OA questionable. Hopefully he'll be back because he, he was playing. Actually, he was actually been the one that was playing well, at least in the game and a half that we got of him this year. But yeah, Ojabo's questionable. Tyus Bowser's on the non-football injury list. It was like Tavius Robinson, Jadavion Clowney and Jeremiah Moon uh, as the top edges for Baltimore last week. So not ideal. We can move on from uh, the Baltimore Ravens edges. Um, you're not likely starting any of those guys in most leagues. Um, Let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about the Browns defense because they've been pretty incredible to start the season and not even like I don't even think like delivering in the box score to their full potential yet either, which is pretty scary, at least as far as sacks go. Right. Because the D line has been excellent at creating pressure They're They've they're top five in the league there. They've ranked second in quick pressure rate. They have the fastest time to pressure in the league at 2.17 seconds, but they're just 10th in sack conversion rate. So there's potentially room for positive regression there. If they continue to play this way, especially considering that Zadarius Smith doesn't even have a sack yet. So if he's going to get going, then they're just going to be all that more dangerous. So Man, the defensive line especially has been super impressive for the Browns. Yeah, the defense is really good. Uh, They're keeping this team in games because Deshaun Watson is doing everything he can to throw the games away and then go (laughs) on Twitter and uh, fire up his burners to defend himself. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I love Miles Garrett this season. I mean, he was a top five player by our ADP uh, in the best ball drafts that we did for a reason. The dude... I mean, John, I feel like I'm seeing like Twitter is showing me more and more pictures of Miles Garrett's biceps and legitimately. I know they're bigger than my thigh, right? I like I think it may be bigger than my torso. Like, I think we're getting to the point where he is like reaching incredible Hulk status at this point. So um, he's obviously a must start every week. Sedarius Smith, again, trust the process. This dude is good. I think he's going to have a rebound here at some point. Um, the linebackers, though, John, 
what a mess. Another one of these groups. It's amazing how many linebacker rooms right now are just like, no thank yeah. you, not interested. And uh, Cleveland's right up there, uh, uh, very high on that list, if not like top two or three. Um, you know, Walker's fine, JOK's fine. But, I mean, it's just like, no, I, I don't want to roll out any of these guys. No, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the only positive that's come from this Cleveland linebacker group is that at least we've gotten two weeks in a row of Anthony Walker uh, leading the group in snaps. I think that's something, at least as far as a step in the right direction for consistency, if if some poor soul does have to rely on a Browns linebacker in their lineup. Um, but I would not be surprised at all if we got like more JOK this week against Lamar. Um, so I'm just, yeah, just continue to be cautious here with this group. The snaps aren't there. Another one of these man heavy defenses. So the tackle efficiency isn't necessarily going to be there either. So uh, it just makes me worried. I think the the main player that who's technically kind of playing a, a lot more linebacker this year, although he is a safety is Grant Delpit. He's kind of the one uh, that I'm most excited about 38% in the box, 22% on the D line uh, and just 16% deep last week. You'd love to see that. And he's been super solid as far as tackle efficiency goes for the safety position. So not interested in the Browns linebackers, but very interested in Grant Delpit. Miles Garrett, tear break, Grant Delpit, Tear break, Zadaria Smith. That's really it for me <laughs> yeah. in terms of the Browns. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And there's a guy, there's some guys that you could lump in there, like in that next tier, which is, yeah, probably Obo, Garonquo, maybe mm-hmm. JOK or Anthony Walker, Dalvin Tomlinson, maybe in DT required leagues, but has been quiet this year as well. But yeah, we, uh, we can move on from uh, the Browns. We know they're a very good defense. For IDP, we know who they are as well. So um, moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Houston Texans. Josh, where do you want to start? I'm going to sound like a broken record here. Steelers linebackers. No, thank yeah. you. Uh, Cole Holcomb, Alandon Roberts, Quan Alexander. No, no, no. No, thank you. Um, same thing. I mean, Pittsburgh, we kind of know what they are, right? Because the linebackers, that's a big old no. We know Minka Fitzpatrick is a great start. Um and we know the edge rushers, right? Yeah, like Cam yeah. Hayward's out now, which is a massive bummer. But, I mean, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, I mean, what else needs to be said about these guys in our scoring system? Watt is the overall leading scorer for all of fantasy football. Yeah. Like TJ yeah, Watt has here. been, yeah, absolutely incredible to start the season. Uh, Alex Highsmith is edge eight for us. Um, both are elite starts. You're starting them every single week with confidence. Um, the linebackers, you have zero confidence in. Minka Fitzpatrick is a solid start at safety. I think we got the Steelers pretty well figured out, man. I think so, too. Yeah, like the, the Steelers linebackers. I mean, we, we saw this last year. I, I mentioned it as soon as um, Holcomb signed there that this was not one of my preferred destinations for him because I had a concern that they wouldn't utilize him as a full-time player, even though I think he should be considering their other options. But I did get some pushback for that. I left it alone, but now here we are with that same kind of rotational mess as last season and we don't get to see that sweet mullet in a full-time role. So now he's like LB 48 for me this week. So, um, but yeah, like you said, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, the Texans are passing a ton as well. So that's just a world that Watt and Highsmith want to live in because there are, these are two of the most opportune pass rushers uh, in the league. They're both top 10 options for me this week as well. Um, Let's go to, yeah, the Texans then, because 
Denzel Perriman could return this week, although I just checked he did not practice uh, today. So that is a bit concerning. So I think there are people who are excited um, about a potential for uh, a rookie to kind of come in here and play. And that is Hanky Two Toes, uh, the rookie linebacker uh, coming in, having a nice game last week. Um, that is uh, Henry To'o. To'o, uh, for those that uh, don't get it. Um, but I'm going with Hanky Two Toes here as his new nickname. Uh, we'll see if that sticks. But really nice game last week, 95% of snaps. No reason he can't have a nice game, even as an LB2 when Perriman comes back, because we know D'Amico Ryans considers Christian Harris as mid now and has already shoved him down the depth chart. But great defense for linebacker tackle efficiency. Definitely some value to be had here uh, with two toes on 85% snap share, assuming Perriman is the full-time guy. But if Perriman's out, um, then it's more wheels up for, for two toes. Yeah, this has been one of the more interesting stories for me. Tutos is amazing. It makes you think of two chains. It makes you think of Kirk Cousins. Right. Um, so one of the more interesting stories, though, for me is this Houston Texans linebacker group. Yeah. We assumed that Denzel Perryman would be one of the two starting linebackers. We did not think that he would be the 100% snap right. linebacker. I think when he is back, he resumes that full-time role. I'm with you that... Uh, Hanky Two Toes is going to be the LB2 there. And if Perryman is out, he's the LB1. We've seen that. We've also seen that Blake freaking Cashman started ahead of Christian Harris. So um, the the meme of the guy like jumping into the grave and pulling the dirt over himself, that's essentially Christian Harris's uh, IDP outlook right now. Um, And it's just weird, John, that we've arrived in this place. I mean, we talked in the offseason – we liked Henry Toto because of his name. We like to sing right. it on the pod and have some fun with it. Like, oh, you know, uh, who's the LB2 going to be? Maybe it's Christian Harris. Maybe it's Christian Kirksey. Maybe it's Corey Littleton. And, hey, maybe it's Henry T if right. the rest of those guys die in a bus crash. But here we are where Hanky Tutos could be the LB1 in Houston in week four. So it's just... Keep your head on a swivel in a vicious cockfight, as uh, Anchorman liked to say. And uh, you got to keep your head on a swivel on IDP, too, because things change very quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is this is a situation to kind of keep an eye on here. But you do want to go to the waiver wire to add Hanky Two Toes off of there. Um, Now that I'm saying it, it makes me think of, uh, you know, good. Have you seen Goodfellas, right? Um, Oh, yeah. uh, Frank. Yeah, Frankie two times. I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers. He always said everything twice, but I think that's, <laughs> I think that's might, might be subliminally where that came from for me. I bet um, there's a good, uh, the good, good overlap between that movie and your listeners. So I bet a lot of people got yeah. that ref. Everybody knows Goodfellas. Everybody knows uh, Goodfellas, right? Yeah, they have to. Uh, all right. Anything else here for the Texans? Um that you want to touch on? Yeah, I mean, Will Anderson, I like what I've seen so yeah. far. 69% of snaps, 13.6% pressure rate, 4.3 tackles per game. That's a 73% tackle rate. Um, imagine what happens when he gets home on a few more sacks. I don't think he's in must-start territory by any means. He's on that fringe, like, edge 2-3 option. But uh, early returns, very, very promising for Will Anderson. Yeah, nice to see him kind of getting out there. He's had he's had a big game already. And, and look, I think this is a great matchup for him. I, I think the Steelers, they have the worst pass blocking grade in the league so far this season, 28.7. They've allowed a 43% pressure rate, which is the third highest. Somehow I've allowed just three sacks. At least their offensive line has. So 
I think we could get a Will Anderson sack this week. I think pressures and playing time are there for him. The matches matchup is there. Uh, I think we let Will Anderson rip this week against uh, the Steelers O-line. Yeah, let him eat. All right. I don't think there's too much more here for the Texans. We got Jimmy Ward back last week, which is nice to see. He was the first healthy sec- Texans safety to return. Um, he got a decent box roll there in week three, 35%. We'll see if Jalen Petrie, uh, who everyone paid heavily for this summer, uh, returns and what his role looks like uh, in D'Amico Ryan's defense, because we only got to see him on less than 50% of snaps in week one with and with no Jimmy Ward. So that'll be interesting to see if he gets back and how they deploy him. Um, all right, let's go on to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers. Starting here, hmm, with okay, let's start with okay, let's start at the safeties. I don't think we started other than Kyle Hamilton, we started at the safeties, but um, Trayvon Merrick, I the only thing I just wanted to note that he is surprisingly playing more in the box than Marcus Epps so far this season. I, I thought it might be you know, maybe a two week anomaly, but it does seem like that's how they want to deploy these guys going forward. Um, Merrick has typically been one of the league's least effective IDPs. Um, and he's not been that much better this year, but I did give him a slight bump in the ranks over Epps um, going forward. He is Merrick is safety 41 and uh, Epps is like safety 47. So these are deep, deep league options, really. Um, Max Crosby, I have him as edge four. He's questionable at the moment. He should avoid Rayshon Slater this week. Um, he's Rayshon Slater has been one of the best pass blocking tackles in the league, but he plays left tackle. Crosby mainly lines up versus the right tackle, which is Trey Pipkins, who's been good, but not nearly as good as uh, Rayshon Slater. So obviously we're starting Max Crosby. Not much else to say there. Let's talk about the linebackers though, Josh. Um, Divine Diablo, I know he had a slightly better game than Robert Spillane last week, but this is one of those times they happen every once in a while throughout the season where the guy on the lower snap share outperforms the full-time guy. Spillane's not leaving the field. That That's the main thing to pay attention to here. Um, unfortunately, El Diablo snaps fell to 84% in week three when he was up over 90% in the first two weeks. So will be another kind of one to monitor this week. What do you think about this Raiders linebacker group? Man, it's frustrating because it kind of feels like another situation where the linebacker we're more excited about is mm-hmm. not getting the opportunity. It feels a lot like the commanders where just the uh, ho-hum average to below average guy is getting 100% of the snaps. In this case, it's Robert Spillane as opposed to Cody Barton. Um, I rostered Diablo in the league I care most about, and I've been rolling him out. I haven't felt great about it, to be honest. He's been he's been fine. Like He's been yeah. you know pretty solid. But it's just disappointing overall because I had higher hopes that this was going to be Diablo's role with Spillane filling in as the LB2. So, um, yeah, I mean, just like Cody Barton, Robert Spillane is the guy you want because um, he's not sexy. He's not going to cost you a lot. He's not leaving the field. Um, I want better things for Divine Diablo. Are we going to get that? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. This team stinks. Uh, Devontae Adams is about to burn the building down. Chandler Jones is being held at mental health facilities yeah. against his will. Like, I don't know what the hell. Josh McDaniels is thinking you need two possessions to get eight points. I mean, who knows know. what could happen with this team, right? So it feels very unstable, but at least the evidence we have the first three weeks, Big Bob Spillane is you know, a decent option. Again, not a guy that gets me excited at all, but a volume king. Uh, and that's what matters in IDP is volume. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the Raiders, I don't know what they're doing over there. I, that that reminding me of that field goal uh, decision late in that game just triggers me. It's, it's, it's swearing at the TV. And I don't even like the Raiders. So um, <laughs> let's move on to the Chargers here. Uh, the Let's start with the linebackers this time. Eric Kendricks should be back um, the, this week, I think, from what I've heard. So Kenneth Murray, though, ha- has been a pretty fantastic fill-in somehow. I I put him on the waiver wire targets after week one because he was playing 90% of snaps, um, even though he didn't do much production-wise week one. But then Kendricks got hurt, missed two games, and Kenneth Murray has been on a tear. Um, So we'll we'll see. If if, uh, Kendricks is back this week, again, it feels like it might be. Um, If he's there, there's still potentially room for Murray to be a fantasy starter if that snap share stays around 90%. Um, this defense has also been more zone heavy this year as well compared to last year, which we like to see. So that helps, but yeah. Um, how do you feel about Kenneth Murray? Cause, um, this is a guy that we thought was dead and gone <laughs> this off season, but here he is um, being an IDP star. Yeah. I think we even said on the pod, like just, he's just, just ignore him. Pretend like he's not there. <laughs> like this guy's a non-factor. I got to give him his props. The dude has been really, really good uh, filling in for Eric Kendricks. But we I compared him to like uh, one of those cars that you kind of pull back and you let it go. It's like he can go fast in one direction and make some splash plays. But as Adam pointed out, the Vikings had some wide open rushing lanes last week because our homeboy picked the wrong hole to fill. So uh, he's going to go fast in the wrong direction a lot of times. It just feels like you're playing with fire with Kenneth Murray. Um, So I'm not particularly interested because I think he's a bad linebacker and gambling on bad linebackers is, I think, bad practice. But hey, if you made that gamble the past two weeks, you're feeling great. Um, But hopefully we can get Eric Kendricks back and, um, you know, get back to some sense of normalcy with this linebacker group because, yeah, Kenneth Murray is filled in well, but he's not the answer. I'm hoping maybe at some point it can be Deion Henley season, but um, yeah, at least for at least for these two weeks, Kenneth Murray has uh, played well above expectations. The only other thing from this game, Derwin James is dealing with a hamstring injury. He's potentially going to miss this game. We don't know. I'm leaving him as my safety one for the brand, obviously, but I'm not moving him from there until he's either doubtful or ruled out. But uh, he did leave last game with the hamstring injury. JT Woods would be the next man up. Um, and then I would probably move Alohi Gilman probably up the ranks a little bit versus JT Woods if I had to still pick a Charger safety. Um, hamstrings continuing here because Joey Bosa also dealing with a hamstring. He's been on a pitch count the past two weeks. He's played just 29% of snaps in week two, uh, but he got two sacks. And then he played just 34% of snaps in week three, but he got one sack. Um, in week one, he played 87% of snaps and all he got was one lousy solo tackle. So he's like kind of the bizarro IDP of what we are constantly preaching. Somehow the less he plays, the more productive he is. Um, truly a medical marvel that Joey Bosa. Yeah, just the worst possible superhero. Um, I, I, I have been on record that I just don't want anything to do with Joey Bosa. I know he's a great NFL player. I know all the, the, you know, underlying metrics look great, but I'm just sick of this dude missing so much damn time 
with a myriad of injuries. I just don't want the headache. I don't want the hassle. Um, so yeah, get better soon, Derwin. Joey, maybe go back to the witch that you got your powers from and see if you can reverse that deal and maybe play better with more snaps. I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here, buddy. <laughs> it would be nice. It would be nice. Um, all right, let's move on to the New England Patriots at the Dallas Cowboys. Um, where do you want to start with this one? Not a lot in this one, man. Um, yeah. Christian Barmore, John, I know this is your man crush. Yeah. Production is just not really there, though. I, I want I more for Christian Barmore. Um, the safeties in New England. Nope. No, thank you. Move along. Uh, if you hate yourself and want to like, n you know, stress watch Patriots games on Sunday. I mean, Duggar and Peppers are your guys, but I, 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 I don't roster Patriots as a rule because I'm a Colts fan. This goes back a decade plus uh, practice for me, but so far it's worked out pretty well for IDP because short of Matthew Judon, um, and maybe Juwan Bentley, you know, he's been fine. Yeah. Um, on the Dallas side, you know, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, those dudes rock. Um, linebackers, another room to avoid. Leighton Vanderneck, no thank you. Uh, Damone Clark, no thank you. Um, those guys are fine. I'm not saying they're bad, but um, I don't know. That just feels like playing with fire. Again, something I'm not really wanting to do there, starting those guys. Uh, Donovan Wilson is back for the Cowboys, though. Another sneaky waiver ad, potentially, John. Sounds like um, he's primarily been the box safety in Dallas when he's been healthy. Yeah, I think he was kind of eased back in last week. He played just 53% of the snaps. But at, at the good thing, I think, to see, because the first two weeks were kind of chaos with the Dallas safeties, we got at least some kind of return to their normal rotation uh, from what we saw last year with this uh, this group. And I think as Wilson's snaps kind of increased too, it could potentially mean less opportunity for somebody like Damon Clark, uh, considering that Wilson does play more in the box and Damon Clark, like, like you said, not interested. He did have a decent game last week, but playing only 69% of snaps um, and Vander Esch a hundred percent, but just super inefficient again, more as a result of this defense, more man heavy defense in the league. It just drains tackle efficiency for linebackers. But Donovan Wilson, if he can get back up to that 80 to 85% snap share, he could be a pretty solid IDP just purely because of the amount of time he plays in the box. Yeah. Um, I think he's an interesting safety option, especially if you've maybe had some guys that, have been lost due to injury. Um, it's a sneaky underrated thing to pay attention to players that start the year on pup or are dealing with some kind of nagging injury because they kind of get written off. They might get dropped, you know, in shallower leagues. And so it's a, it's a underrated skill in IDP to not only pay attention to like depth charts and knows who like is the next man up is if there's an injury, it's also a superpower to uh, know what guys are coming back from injuries and be the first one in there to get a waiver claim on them. Yeah, definitely. That is key. And yeah, I, like you said, New England, not all that interesting. I do love Barmore. I thought he had a good week th this past week, and it was nice he to see he did. Uh, Billy Boy trust him a a a as the lead defensive tackle, at least as far as snap shares go. But cautiously optimistic, at least going forward, hopefully that that sticks and then yeah, Kyle Duggar, also decent decent week. Got more of a box role again. Jabril Peppers taking over Adrian Phillips was not one I saw coming this season, but Peppers has played well, designated as a cornerback on RSO as well, so a little cheat code there, but decent uh, role for him in, uh, in Belichick's defense. 
Yeah, I just don't trust Belichick. I think he, <laughs> yeah. I really do think he has it out for fantasy players of all types, oh, yeah. but especially IDP since defense is his bread and butter. Just no, thank you, yeah. Bill. I'm not yeah. not going to play your game. <laughs> all right, let's go on to the Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Zayvon Collins got poked in the eye, didn't come back. Uh, he's still questionable. I don't really have any interest in Zayvon Collins anyways. I know he had one game with kind of like a fluky interception, then got an unblocked sack last week. Just not someone that I think is doing enough pass rush wise to trust in, in most leagues. I'm pretty much completely out on Zayvon. There are more interesting pass rushers that I'd rather target this year. Um, maybe he becomes something down the road, but not as much interest for 2023. I am interested in the Arizona linebackers, um, specifically Kaiser White. I mean, I'll start with maybe the guys that, that are playing behind him because we know Kaiser White has the, the full-time role, but Josh Woods, Chris Barnes, both dealing with injuries. Um, if both of those guys are out, Ezekiel Turner would be the next man up, which is kind of crazy because we talked about Owen Papo a lot this offseason, and it doesn't seem like he's even fourth on the depth chart, but um, it does seem like Josh Woods could be back. So if Woods and Barnes are playing, I'm not as interested in Woods for deeper leagues. Um, if Barnes is out and Woods is in, then Woods becomes more interesting because you don't have the two of them can't kind of cannibalizing each other's snaps. But Kaiser White has been the real star. He's LB10 for me this week. Been incredibly productive through three weeks. Arizona has been a top 10 team in zone coverage deployment, and he's taken advantage of that by just racking up ridiculous tackle numbers. So love that for Kaiser White so far this season. How about you? Yeah, Kaiser White is a must start, dude, which mm -hmm. is like weird to say because it's Kaiser White and yeah. it's the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I'm ex I'm interested in this um, Victor Dimokeje okay. uh, guy. Uh, just popped a little bit. You know, we talked about him a little bit on the recap show. Had a question off of our YouTube channel, John. What's going on mm -hmm. with BJ Ojolari? Yeah, he's just not getting the playing time. I mean, look, he's a rookie as well. So Gannon potentially not trusting these guys, wants to get the experience out there on a team that he's trying to make compete. And look, it worked last week. They beat the Cowboys. So BJ Ojolari, right. yeah, wasn't somebody that I was necessarily excited about coming out. I didn't think he was as good of a pass rusher just yet. I think there's potential there, but I think he's going to be coming along slowly. I thought... The, the only positive for him was the potential for playing time in this Arizona defense because there's not a lot of options on the edge. But if, if that's not there, then I just have zero interest in BJ Ojolari. Yeah, let's move on to the 49ers. Um, yeah. This is a much more interesting team for IDP. We know Fred Warner. We know Dre Greenlaw. We've already talked about Dre. We have not forgotten that man. Um, you know Nick Bosa. You're rolling him out. Um, yeah. What do we think about the... Week one wonder, Drake Jackson. How are we feeling about, uh, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson for week four? Yeah, there's potential, I think, for for Jackson. Um, sorry, I pulled up the wrong slide. But yeah, look, he's, he's playing the second most snaps for the team. I, the pass rush metrics weren't even really there when he had that big blow up week in week one. So that was a little bit of a red flag. But the volume could potentially be there. Obviously playing on that defensive line does help as well with guys like Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave um, and our Eric Armstead, even um, kind of creating pressure and creating havoc as well. So look, 
They're going up against uh, the Arizona offensive line that did limit the Cowboys defensive line to just two sacks last week, but we'll see if that will be a fluke or if the 49ers are going to wreck shop here. Um, What do you think? Do you think the the last week was a fluke against Dallas or uh, could we see San Francisco uh, find a loophole there and and destroy these guys? I think that a demolition is possible although i would put the 49ers and cowboys on about equal footing in terms of like quality as an nfl team um so i think this cardinals team is they're doing what we call the respectful tank Mm -hmm. um you know they're they're aiming for caleb williams but they're going about it the right way they're uh they're scrapping they're fighting um but with bad teams that punch above their weight Sometimes they uh, catch that uppercut and get knocked out cold on the canvas. So I could see San Francisco, who I think is the best team in the NFC right now, put the screws on these guys and beat them by, you know, what they've won their first three games, like 30 to 10 or something. They've scored scored 30 points in each of the first three games. So I could see like a 30 to 14 type kind of washout here for San Francisco and Arizona. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, All right, let's move on to Sunday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs and the New York Jets. Josh, other than Taylor Swift, what is the most interesting thing about this game? I mean, that's all my notes say is just Taylor Swift. So I got nothing else for this one. Um, (laughs) The Nick Bolton injury, he missed practice today. So keep an eye on his injury status throughout the week. Uh, If he's out, I'm happy to fire up Drew Tranquil. Mm-hmm. Willie Gay, Leo Chanel, man, just can't start him at this point. Um, if Nick Bolton is back in, it's been a little dicey, John. I think there's been yeah. cause for concern with these Chiefs linebackers. Steve Spagnolo's back in his bag of evil. Um, so, yeah, the linebacker situation I think is pretty clear cut, though, if Nick Bolton is in, unless they're, unless it's like, oh, he'll be in, but he'll be on a snap count. Um, if he's full go, you fire up Nick Bolton, you sit the rest down, if Nick Bolton is out, you start Drew Tranquil and you collect your 10 to 12 tackles and you're mm-hmm. thankful for it. Um, Trent McDuffie versus Legereus Sneed, John. Um, I don't like this matchup. Uh, give Johnny's streaming quarterbacks uh, podcast a listen if you want to hear how putrid the Jets passing offense has been this season, <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to targeting their wide receivers. So I could see this split with Legereus Sneed playing the wide corner. Trent McDuffie mm-hmm. getting that profitable kind of slot role that Legereus Sneed previously held. I could see this going one of two ways, John. It's a win-win because a playmaker like Legereus Sneed, uh, even with the inferior alignment, his talent shines through, mm-hmm. and it is a more profitable role for an ascending player like Trent McDuffie. Or it's a lose-lose because Sneed's talent can't compensate for his wide corner alignment. And McDuffie isn't good enough to deliver in that profitable role. Now, based on what we've seen going back to last season, I'm inclined to be optimistic and lean toward the former where this is good for both guys. But that's a big question mark because Legereus Sneed has been one of the better DB assets. And in this new role, I really don't know what to expect moving forward rest of season. Yeah, so this is yeah. I asked Joey this question too. He he went Sneed over McDuffie last week. I I went McDuffie over Sneed. I just because I tend to lean into the the utilization more so than the player. And 
I still tend to lean Snead if I have to pick one, but I think both guys can be solid. Maybe not so much this week. Like you said, the Jets uh, passing offense has not been ideal, but um, I, I still prefer Snead if I have to pick one just because of the way they're using him, but uh, still could be, Legereus Snead could still be uh, very useful. And sorry, I said McDuffie is the one I prefer um, because of the utilization, but yeah. Um, and then like you said, yeah, the Bolton injury to the linebackers, it makes it trickier because it's a Sunday night game. Um, and obviously there's not two Monday night games this week. So there's less options if you have to replace them. But um, for guys that are waiting on Tranquil or Bolton, it just pays to pay attention to that practice report this week and see how things are trending. But uh, as much as I don't like the, the matchup for the Chiefs corners, I do like it for the Chiefs defensive line. Um, the Jets have allowed the highest pressure rate in the entire league. They're a t- bottom 10 pass blocking uh, unit as uh, as far as the grades go. You got Zach Wilson out there searching for moms in the stands instead of paying attention to the pass rush. I think we could see George Karloftis get, get home this week as well. Um, he had just the half sack last week in, in like a really great matchup against Chicago, but he had a pretty dominant game. Um, 42% pressure rate, 26% win rate. He definitely should have gotten more than a half sack there. So banking on him having a bigger week here against the Jets. Uh, how do you feel about Karloftis? I've liked Karloftis going back to this offseason. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on record. I had him as a top 20 edge for this year. Um I just think the dude is good. I think we saw flashes. Didn't he play like 75% of snaps as a rookie? Um, Some really solid, encouraging numbers. So, um, yes, I'm all over the Chiefs defensive line in this game. Chris Jones got a sack and got the hell out last week. They're like, (laughs) that's enough from you, buddy. Go sit down. Um, He's a must start every single week, but especially this week. Um, Yeah, and then Karloftis, he's averaging 13.1 points per game by our scoring, 78% of snaps. He's in that kind of Will Anderson bucket. He's like a, sure. a tick above Will Anderson right now, like that edge two, three borderline. Um, but yeah, in this matchup, I could see him as like a top 18 option, um, nice. depending on, you know, how you feel about uh, his chances to go after the Mill Hunter and give him <laughs> a big old hug in the backfield. Yes, the Mill Hunter becomes the hunted uh, in this one. Uh, <laughs> on the Jet side of things, uh, not an overly interesting group. Again, we kind of know what they are as far as linebackers go. Uh, safeties, Tony Adams is, is hurt. We'll see if he comes back for this game. But if not, Adrian Amos is the replacement. But their defensive line is by far their most interesting position. Um, and specifically, Quinn and Williams. No sacks yet um, so far this year. And it doesn't really, it's not a great matchup for him. Patrick Mahomes has only been sacked once this year. Um, 12 pressures for Quinn and Williams so far on the year, three QB hits. So he's still delivered decent production for the, for the position. He's DT nine um, in the, the PFF scoring that I use. Once he starts adding sacks to that as well, uh, he's immediately back into that potential DT one overall conversation. But are you worried at all about Quinn and Williams not getting any sacks? Not even a little bit. <laughs> nope. You just start this guy because a he's, I mean, arguably the best defensive tackle in the game right now. There's we've had this conversation many times. It is a loaded position right now. Probably the best it's been since I've been playing IDP. Defensive tackle is so deep. Mm-hmm. He's the top of that mountain for me, especially for IDP. You don't ever sit this guy down because John, what happens if you sit him down? 
He's going to go off for like three sacks. <laughs> exactly. And do you want to be the idiot that has three sacks from Quentin Williams on your bench because you tried to get cute and bench this guy? Don't be that guy, pal. Don't be that guy. Put Quentin Williams in. It's going to pay off. There you go. Wise words there. Uh, let's move on to Monday Night Football. There's only one this week, thankfully. Um, the Seattle Seahawks at the New York Giants. So I guess I'll start with Uchenna and Wosu because he's been he had a really nice year last year, but really slow start this year. And I guess like not encouraging pass rush met pass rush metrics so far this year. He hasn't earned a single game pass rush grade of even 60 so far this season, a 53.4 for the year. He does have nine pressures, but it's been purely from volume at this point. He's playing 77% of the de- defensive snaps so far. All that said. He does draw the second worst pass blocking unit in the entire league with the Giants at 34.9. If he can't do it this week or at least show signs of life in those underlying metrics, then how concerned are you about Uchenna and Wosu? Yeah, I think you cut him loose. Um, I think it's hard because you want to hold on to what happened last season. Um, And this is obviously context specific, right? Um, Dynasty, you're not dropping this guy. But in your redraft leagues where there's other guys that are performing better out there on waivers, even if you're not cutting them loose, you're sitting them down. I think mm-hmm. this is the last week where I'm giving Uchenna a free pass in my lineup to sure. see if he can turn things around. Um, I am worried. And I think there's another guy in this matchup we'll talk about too that's kind of in the same boat. Um, and again, depth specific if you don't have a deep bench for example uh, i could see a situation where some managers are cutting you chin loose um yeah and we knew he was a prime regression candidate considering he we really hadn't seen that other than maybe like the last half of his last season with the chargers um what we saw in seattle so it didn't feel like i think adam asked at one point is this the best season yuchina nwosu is ever going to have it's possible yeah. i think he's a good player but that kind of production was eye popping for a reason because that's not what he typically had done up to that point in his career so um i think there will be weeks during the season where he pops off for a sack or two but man this is the get right matchup yuchina so come through for yeah. us don't 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 make us push that button to sit you down or drop you, brother. We don't want to do it. Yeah. Don't make us take you out behind the shed like That's old right. yeller. Like um, old yeller and put you down. <laughs> That's it. Um, the other things here in Seattle, I mean, Jordan Brooks, we know that this guy eventually he's going to get back up to that full time role. He's just been a tackle machine so far. 32 tackles in three games. Hasn't even cracked a 90% snap share yet. He's been unbelievable but we've talked about him uh, already on this show of quite a few times i know you've talked about him as well so the only other interesting thing i think with the seahawks jamal adams finally seems like this is the week that he'll be playing and back in the lineup at least from what the team has said they said that they're going to fully unleash him without limitations that's their quote which means that i think at least to me it means that it's going to come at the cost of someone else who has been contributing this year um julian love stands out as the first oh i got the wrong um uh, slide up there but julian love stands out as the first potential casualty i think as he's been a great idp so far i think it would be a big blow uh, because he's been awesome for for idp but he's playing that jamal adams role in this defense i mean maybe 
Quandre Diggs could be the guy that Love can replace and then Adams can replace Love um, because Diggs has had a really terrible start to the year. He has a 33.4 defensive grade, 33% missed tackle rate as well. So maybe the team wants to limit him. I don't know. Um, But I'm interested to see what this looks like this week. I am worried that Adams is going to cut into Julian Love snaps just because he's currently playing that box heavy, strong safety role in Seattle's defense. Yeah, you got to set Love down just this week. Yeah. He's been great, so it, it does suck. But, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of on the, the corner that Johnny the Greek occupies where it's like, just don't take unnecessary risks right. with your lineup, right? Um, we know Jamal Adams is going to have some kind of role on this defense, and if you follow kind of what his role has traditionally been, Love is the one that is on the chopping block in terms of opportunity to make way for Adams. Now, hopefully, hopefully maybe it's Quandre Diggs that gets shoved off to the side, but that doesn't seem to fit with what Jamal Adams is good at. So, mm-hmm. um, and keep in mind too, even if Adams does cut into that workload, it's Jamal Adams. This dude's been banged up as much as Shaq Leonard and Joey Bosa over the years. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance that even if Love does lose some playing time now, don't panic because Jamal Adams could be on the shelf with another injury here soon. So, um, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation to have that primo opportunity snatched away from Julian Love. Um, But I'm optimistic that he's going to still be IDP relevant, even with Adams back in the mix. We just need to see how it plays out. So don't fire him up this week. Don't fire up Adams this week. Just stay away, and let's see what happens. Definitely. Um, all right, let's finish it off here with the New York Giants. Um, anything specific that you want to talk about here with the Giants? The linebackers. I mean, Bobby O'Karake is a fine like LB2 option. Uh, he's been a little underwhelming for the opportunity. I think he was getting mm-hmm. uh, Micah McFadden has been outshining him at times. So that tells you all you need to know about how uh, Bobby O'Karake managers are feeling. And then, yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau, man. He is sort of the Giants equivalent of Yuchina Nwosu for me in this game because highly drafted. He was inside the top 12 ADP for us this year, this offseason. So high expectations for Kayvon Thibodeau, and he just has not delivered on that thus far this season. So same question you posed to me, I'll pose to you. What do we do with Kayvon Thibodeau if this guy doesn't get right this week? Yeah, so Thibodeau was one that I think we maybe even opened the show talking about him last week, and I mentioned that he did have a decent shot to get a sack last week. Um, He did get one, but not great pass rush grades so far this year, just a 51.5 pass rush grade, which ranks 115th among edge defenders. So might be a bit of a a sophomore slump here for, for Thibodeau. I'm not panicking on him for dynasty purposes, but if he continues to have like this poor of a showing as far as the underlying metrics goes, you kind of have to move on, right? There's other options out there. I mean, look at Byron Young, who's doing it on a 92% snap share. We're not really getting that much snaps for Thibodeau. I mean, he's getting a decent snap share, but not 92%, obviously, where we can rely on the volume so much. But I have faith that he'll get there uh, at some point. Um, But for the time being most redraft rosters, they need the roster space. So you can move on from this guy. If he continues to be inefficient. 
Yeah, it's hard to say because he is a talented player. Mm -hmm. I think there is promise. I think this guy is going to be one of those dominant edge rushers for a long time in the league. We may just be a year early on it. You know, we may have gotten a little cute this offseason and put the cart before the horse with Kayvon. So hoping for the best with this guy. Um, but, yeah, we need to see it this week, or I'm afraid homeboy is going to be on the bench or on your waivers. That's right. Um, but, yeah, that's it, man. We did it. Another full week of games that we've gone through. Another massive IDP weekly preview episode. Um, I hope you all found that helpful. If you did, please give us a like on the YouTube. It helps us a lot, and I personally greatly appreciate it, and thank you all for listening. Um, a huge thank you to the man, Josh Raymer. Joshy, thank you so much for doing this with me. I am really glad we got to get you on here to dive into that beautiful IDP mind again. John, we always have fun when we get to pod together. Um, we've been doing this now for a long time, which is kind of crazy yeah. to think about. Your backwards hat wearing days <laughs> on uh, the Big Three IDP podcast. You've come a long way, my friend. Um, two hours plus of IDP goodness, folks. If you're, for some reason, a non-IDP player who made it to the end of the show and you're listening to this, it's because we're passionate about this game of IDP fantasy football. And if you've never given IDP a try, you should. Don't be scared. You've got guys like John. You've got guys like us. There are so many great resources out there to help make this game a little bit easier to understand, a little bit less scary. Um, so come give it a try. Put, dip your toe in the water. You're going to find it's just fine. And you might enjoy fantasy football a lot more if you give it a, give it a shot. Beautiful. I'm going to like clip that and make a commercial of it because it's very well said, Josh. Uh, before you go, Please let the good folks know where they can find more of you and everything that you got going down over at the IDP show. Yes, sir. The IDP show.com. We are cranking out um, articles and rankings. We've got Johnny the Greek over there. We've got Jace Abbey doing weekly rankings. We've got our waiver article going up Monday night. Jake Colhagen is doing starts and sits. Uh, our boy Lee Andrews, um, who is pioneering some cutting-edge ACL repair technology and surgeries, oh. is doing the weekly banged-up podcast looking at IDPs who popped up on Friday's injury report. You can find other shows like this out there. You cannot find one that does it for IDP. So check that out. It's in the IDP After Show feed, which is available wherever you get your podcast. Jace does a weekly episode uh breaking down his rankings with someone from the industry johnny's in there talking cornerbacks uh, myself adam and bobby we do the re weekly recap uh for the idp show and then evan ronda and jake colhagen do our weekly previews um so yeah come check us out uh subscribe on youtube we've got videos and shorts going up every day just trying to make um idp entertaining and fun that's always been our goal john entertain then inform so we're gonna make you laugh um gonna make you probably roll your eyes we are like mid-30s dads after all so <laughs> the dad humor is strong but we're gonna have a fun time man that's the goal we want to have fun playing idp because this is a fun game yeah man i'm with you for sure and yeah great content over there on the idp show so if you aren't familiar definitely go check that out and a lot of great names um, over there to pay attention to that are doing great work in the IDP world. And we'll have a lot of them on the uh, on this show in the, the coming weeks as well, which is great. So just continuing to explore the wonderful minds of IDP here. Um, as for me, 
you can always find my written work over on pff.com, which includes the IDP fantasy report every single week, breaking down the usage for every single IDP with waiver targets and much more. Um, my IDP rankings will be up on the site in article form by the time most people are listening to this or watching this. Um, I also have the wide receiver man and zone coverage report that drops every Thursday morning. A uh, ton of great wide receiver nuggets and matchup data in there to pour over, as well as the O-line D-line matchup article, which comes out every Friday. Um, again, thank you to everyone who checks out those articles, who has listened to the pod. I will be back tomorrow previewing the other side of the ball with the great Kate Majuk. So join me again for that. Thank you all again. And until next time, peace out.